Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of The MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, getting better. My name is Ben Hansen, and I'm thanking you for being here. I'm joined by Leo Vader. Hello. And I'm joined by, I gotta stop laughing. I'm joined by Haley McLean. Hello. And we're joined by Jeff Marchiafava. No laughs. This is serious business. Perfect. Oh. As serious as can be. Professional. Hey, yeah. we have a hell of a show here. We have Sarah Podzorski swinging in. Oh, oh, oh. A little bit later uh, in this episode, it's going to be great to talk Pokemon, all that fun stuff. Uh, and then for community questions, we're honored to have a returning guest. One Blake Hester uh, is going to be joining us. You know him from Game Query, of course. Uh, now, sadly, <laughs> formerly of Game Informer. Uh, he was recently laid off from Game Informer, so we're going to dive into a little bit of that, but then just have a good time with him talking about uh, a bunch of questions that people submit over there on Patreon. But You also know him from Something Rotten with Jacob Geller. Thank you. That's going to come up later. I promise that's going to come up later. Look at I wore my Something Rotten tee. Yeah. Could we go back in time to when everybody was laughing so I can have a perfect transition? Are you ready for this? Okay. (laughs) Speaking of laughing like a bunch of jokers, you guys. Did you know that MinMax has an Instagram page? Call page account page channel. Yeah. We're on Instagram, everybody. Uh, and here's that the was thing: the segue you well, that was the worst. If you kept la- good. Keep laughing, so it's going to be smooth. Keep laughing. Trust me. Trust me. <laughs> if you follow Min Max Show on Instagram, everybody, uh, you will have a chance to get a free game. Not just any game. A chance to get Balatro, the poker rogue game on Steam that is crushing everybody's life and expectations of what a good game can be. It is so damn good. Here's the thing. The game has a bunch of jokers in it. So here's the deal. On Thursday. (laughs) (laughs) This is uncomfortable. This is like horror movie now. Or it's like little girl on a swing set. This is like when Joker poisoned everyone. (laughs) Okay. Here's the deal. And they couldn't stop laughing. This is we found out Handsome was ill and we want to make him feel like he's the best host ever. Here's the deal. Uh, February 29th, on that Thursday, we're going to have a post, and it's of Leo Vader's face. It's going to be up on Instagram with no context. But if you're listening to this podcast, you know the secret password. What you have to do is go in the comments on that Instagram account on MinMax Show and quote the Joker, any classic Joker line, <laughs> and you'll be in the running to win a code for Balatro on Steam, the card game that truly rules we'll be talking about on this thing. So give MinMax Show a follow, not only for the daily video updates, uh, fun clips, stuff like that, but then also you can win. You have a pretty good chance of winning a, a Steam code for Balatro. We have uh, several to give away, so jump in there and give us a follow on Instagram, everybody, and we'll see who's laughing now. But quote the Joker on MinMax's Instagram. I dare you, please. That's fun. I love that. Hey, uh, you know what I love? Relaxing games, games oh. not talking about these big games. Let's talk about something smaller, something cooler, something funkier, something bluer. Uh, we've been playing Pacific Drive, uh, the new game that was pitched as a road like in their marketing, uh, but it's available, I think, on Steam and PS5 at this point. Uh, but you are in a station wagon cruising around the Pacific Northwest, exploring mysterious things. Uh, this is from Ironwood Studios. Um, we've all been playing it, right? Jeffum, you've been playing mm-hmm. it? You were streaming it? Everyone else is jumping in, too? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Okay, sweet. Uh, Leo, this feels up your alley. Uh, started this is it out. such a Leo game. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to figure <laughs> yeah. out what it is. It's just like, I was impressed, or I guess I didn't expect the amount of just kind of like systems in this game. It's a very uh, tactile game. It really wants you to focus on building out this car, taking care of the car, repairing the car. When you're 
uh, stopping your car, you got to turn off the key, put it in park. You got to do all these little finicky things to maintain this vehicle as you're... Turn on windshield wipers when it's raining. Yeah, perfect. But the whole premise is you're going through a very mysterious region in the Pacific Northwest. It's very, not very, but it, it has the vibes of like Annihilation, which is just like my favorite premise for any sort of media of like, hey, here's a weird pocket where a bunch of wild stuff is happening. Uh, Go in it, and we don't know exactly what's going to happen in there. I guess it's a little bit Half-Life in some ways as well. But uh, Leo, what do you think about Pacific Drive so far? I'm really hot on it so far. It feels like a hard space shipbreaker to me in that Mm. it's like the um, a really cool version of kind of a menial job of menial labor it's a lot of looting stuff and crafting and turning it into wheels for your car making putty that you can slap onto the hood of your car to heal that piece of it <laughs> just stuff rubbing that, putty into the car hood i love that it. animation yeah. just like Very slap <laughs> yeah stuff that's pretty simple but cre- creates something long term that i think is really neat a really cool attachment to your car and to what you're doing and i think there's i i like how scary it is I like that your main push forward is to discover more weird stuff that's happening, strange creatures that are interacting with you in weird ways. And I think there's a lesser version of this game where they tried to shoehorn some combat in and you have to get out once in a while to fight enemies or whatever. But I love that this is just you taking care of your car and yourself. And the most thrilling moment I had so far was racing to the exit, which I think is done really cool and is always really climactic for each little run. And missing my turn and having to go straight for it and not realizing I'm like driving off a cliff and my car <laughs> ends up upside down in poison and I have to hop out and try and fix it and manage my health. And that is like plenty of thrill. Like I don't need to be, you don't need to have a gun in this. I love yeah. it for that. Yeah. Haley, you digging it too? Um, yeah, I'm really digging it for like all the same reasons Leo's digging it. And also just the fact that there's so many little moments where you catch yourself being like, oh yeah, this is a game. I'm acting like I'm the one out here driving and do, like doing very human things while I play this game. Like for example, I started getting more and more used to it. And I'm like, is this a leave the key in the ignition kind of trip or is this a, I should turn off my car kind of trip? <laughs> like, And that's how your brain thinks. It's like, oh, would I waste gas if I just ran out and did that quickly and got back in. Oh, this will probably take a long time. I'll turn off my car because I haven't had fuel in a while. Like you start thinking like it's actually you and your car yeah, because yeah. they've added in those nuances. And I really like that. Um, there's so many times where I've hopped out of the car. I didn't put it in park. And it's like those videos you see on Twitter where someone's, I would always instinctually go to the front of the car and try to push it. But of course you just should get in your car and put it in park instead of pushing it. But that's happened to me a few times. It starts drifting down a hill and I'm like, Oh, I have to turn around and run and chase it. And that's very fun. And then the looting's also satisfying. Like it for a game that's really about looting, they made sure that was clicky and fun. It's very Bethesda. It's, it reminds me a lot of Fallout or Skyrim. You know, you, when you open something, it's like, and then you can just be like, click, 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 and move on. It, you don't have to spend a lot of time in menus. You can just press space to move things over if you want to do it one by one. That yeah. you can tell, like what Leo's saying, like it could have been a combat game, but it's so much better that they focus on the other stuff and just left out combat. Plus, the audio design is amazing. There's so many times, especially wearing headphones, where They'll make a sound sound like someone's walking up on you, like crunch a leaf. And I, th- there's times where I'm playing and I instinctually think my partner walked in the room or something, but they're just playing with me. And it's it's teetering on horror. It's not quite horror because no jump right. scare follows it. But you're still kind of just like the whole time you're playing, you're still in that weird heightened 
sense of like, uh, maybe they'll do something horary. I don't know. And it's kind of fun to be in that mood while, while in this game. Yeah. And, you, and you're like recognizing the anomalies by the sound they make. And you're like, yeah. OK, I think I know what that is. And I hope that's what I think it is. Or else this could situation could be a lot worse. What mm-hmm. are some of the anomalies? Because I'm still pretty early on uh, in this game. And so I haven't uh, encountered anything. The ground too just yet. shoving up from under you. That Ooh. one sucks because if you you'll take one of the orbs and then it just all of a sudden the ground's like bump and like knocks your car into the air and you're like crap and I have to like figure it out and get it back to normal. That's been a, I've seen that one quite a lot actually. There's one that kind of affects your car with electricity, so it charges the part of it that it sticks to. And I tried to like take it off the car and dissipate the electricity somehow, but it turns out you have to like turn off the car to disable it because your uh, your battery in your car is like a big part of how it works in real life as well <laughs> and there's also one that kind of moves your car around in scary ways i like mm. watched one do it from inside a building and it was really eerie watching it happen it's nothing you know it's horror feeling but it's never like a creepy guy is walking around it's like this strange uh new creature that changes your understanding of this reality right because the overall premise is uh I forget exactly what they call it for like this area, but the Olympic zone, the Olympic zone, but matters constantly changing state uh, Mm. and changing sizes is how they pitch, like how they're describing the anomaly of this region. There's like pockets of safety that you can get to in here, but overall you just can't expect anything that's going to happen out there. And I'm such a nerd for come back home. It's safe here. Take a, take a breather and fix your stuff. I, I really like that in games. It's like, Oh, okay. I'll go back out. I feel safe now. And then, getting exhausted and be like, oh, I feel I'm pretty beat up and transport, like Leo says, rushing to that thing, coming yeah. back to your little station where you, you line up your car very nicely in a little square and just get to work fixing it back up and upgrading what you can. That's a very satisfying game loop, too. Yeah, yeah, it pulls up the, the driver's checklist and it reminds you of absolutely everything that you'll want to do before you head out. And it's a it's a good it adds to the pacing, I think. Yeah, a little state of decay feeling for you, Leo, in your in your bones. Hmm, a little bit, a little bit. Little bit, Jeffum. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of this game, <laughs> Mr. Silent Killer? Um, I'm. I guess I'm. I'm the coolest on it. Um, I enjoyed what I played. It's. It certainly like you guys mentioned everything that I also enjoy about it. Um, it's definitely Bethesda-ish in kind of just the mundaneness of rifling through stuff and mm. and taking you know scrap metal and whatever other items like i'm i don't know why i enjoy that as much as i do um but i enjoy it here as well certainly i enjoy working on the car i enjoy uh you know like the physicality of having to do all those things to turn yeah. it on and off and whatnot i've i think i just need to play it more i need to force kind of force myself to play it because right now it kind of feels like I'm collecting stuff just to fix my car. But then once I get it fixed up, the act of taking it out is what causes me to have to fix it again. Right. And it's like, right. and, and, and I like my first run, it was like, I got all these materials. And so then I stored them in the garage, but it's enough to like fix my car twice over or whatever. And so now when I go out, I haven't scavenged anything else other than parts to fix my car. So it's like, well, I don't really need the parts at this point. I can just go home and fix it. But if, and so if I don't have that, then I'm not really as inclined to explore the places that I'm going to, which kind of breaks that loop a little. And so I'm, I'm sure they're going to add in like 
more mechanisms and more reasons to kind of go out and explore. Mm-hmm. But like those those first couple runs, it's kind of like, well, like I'm good on resources, so why else am I? Why don't I just stay in the garage where where it's nice and safe, you <laughs> yeah. know? And uh, that's super fair. There are longer term upgrades that you're going for, and one I got early on is a uh, kind of passive repair of car components that you leave in there. So now it's starting to look like I can have almost the same car pieces rotating with an extra set that's always taking care of itself, and then I can keep more of those resources for the upgrades there are car abilities and there are personal abilities that i haven't unlocked yet so it seems like that stuff opens up and i wonder if eventually you like won't even have to take care of your own car as much i wonder if that gets optimized out but yeah i'm excited to see where those where those go yeah it's not just because i'm obsessed with uh final fantasy 7 rebirth jeff but you talking about that loop it feels a little bit like queen's blood which is like the card game in rebirth where it's like if you get really into this card game you can get more better cards for the card game. It's like, right? <laughs> and I assume there's going to be more payoff as it goes along, but it's like, okay, it's kind of the, the loop for the sake of the loop at a certain point. I'm looking for mm-hmm. a little... You want like a, a Yakuza loop where if I beat this shareholders meeting minigame, I get one of the best attacks in the game. Right, and I'm sure that's in there in Queen's Blood. We still have yet to discover so much as we're doing the deepest dive on that whole game and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, Jeff, I assume you also got a little bit of a Ghostbusters thrill uh, the idea of just like repairing a car this much in a spooky environment. It's like there's a little, little Ecto one thing. And it's such a weird thing that's buried in my bones of just how much I love just the tactical nature of like the Ecto one. And it goes back to like the Ghostbusters game on the Apple two of just like building out the Ecto one there. Like, I just love the idea of building up this clunker with some cool sci-fi tech rammed in there, you know? Yeah. The, the vibes are spot on it. It's, it's another slight criticism, and this is a, another thing of, like, I just have to get used to it, but it also reminded me of Starfield in the sense that, like, the menus really go for the aesthetics over, like, clarity. And, and like, I look at some of the, compu- like, some of the menus and, like, the computers, and it's like, that's awesome. Like, those are my vibes for, like, 80s, like, yeah. 80s computers and 90s computers, but, like, I really have to stare at them sometimes and like figure out what the hell's going on when I like when I was streaming it I accidentally picked like the I I did the same run twice in a row because I was like I think that's where they want me to go now like there are all these dotted lines and only one of them was solid so I was like surely that I guess that's like where the next objective is and it totally wasn't and then I couldn't figure out how to unselect it and select something else and it was like oh I guess I'm just gonna go there again and it's like and I, I guess the developers had had talked about like how they wanted to smooth out some of the edges on you know like roguelike games and make it a little more approachable. And it's like I don't know that you accomplished that. You, you've certainly yeah. created something interesting and unique. And I feel like a lot of a lot of my complaints about it are is just like a learning curve to it. Yeah. And so I can I can appreciate it on that front, but I'm just not. I haven't invested enough time there to get over some of some minor you know, bumps that for all purposes, like I'm, I'm glad to have a totally unique, weird game, you know, that's quirky and like nothing else that I've played. So I, I will take those bumps, but um, yeah, it hasn't been like the road trip you're on itself. It hasn't all been smooth 
driving. Look at this guy. This guy's <laughs> improvising a Game Informer review as he's speaking. Right. This is yeah, unbelievable. I've definitely had problems like that too. Like there was one time where I upgraded and got this machine that supposedly deconstructed materials to give me the base stuff, but then it let me insert base materials and just destroyed them as far as I could tell. So I was like, oh, cool. Let's see what this does. And I inserted a bunch of I think just chemicals, which are actually pretty hard to come by, and they just disappeared. And upon Googling, it was like, you put in like a car door and it gives you the steel back. And I was like, oh, mm. so it just destroyed my stuff. But no one told me that. And it was like yeah. a lot of chemicals. I thought I was going to get like a better version. I definitely had Jeff moments too, where I'm like, what? Oh, and I just lost out on half an hour of collecting yeah. something. Are you okay but, with those being called Jeff moments? <laughs> Every time we're just as dumb as sure, possible. I'll take it. That's fine. <laughs> Jeff a moment of frustration for the Dirty game's nerd. lack of something, not right. because Jeff right. didn't understand. God, I just heard up Jeff a moment though, where I was trying to pack my backpack full, and then it was like, your items are insecure. It's like, you can't put things on the ridge in the backpack layout otherwise what it will like pop out and you'll lose it or what's the danger there i kind of view it as like if you try to shove a laptop into a too small thing and half the laptop sticking out it might get dinged up if you drop your backpack i think that's kind of what they're thinking it's like different pockets of the backpack okay so if you have something that shouldn't fit in that little pocket don't shove it in there put it in the bigger side of the backpack that would be a lesson to all y'all which i kind of liked is that was that annoying for you though no it's interesting you'd be like okay this ui is even more particular than I thought it'd be. It's not going to be just a, you know, a, a super smooth experience going on. They really want you to care about every detail that's going on in, in Pacific Drive here. Yeah. Uh, Leo, I think you're sticking with it? Yeah, definitely. Excited to play more. Sweet. Pacific Drive, everybody. Uh, PS5 and PC. I think it's like 30 bucks over there. Um, Jeff, um, compare that experience to your continued experience in uh, Balotro, as we're trying to call it now. <laughs> God, I can't even stop laughing just thinking about this. This yeah. is the Poker Rogue game. Yeah, that's... I'm at like 30 hours at this Jesus. point. Jesus! Um, I can't Amazing. stop playing it. It It is the game... Yeah, any other criticisms that I have for games today are probably like 90%. It's just not Bellatro, <laughs> and that's what I want to be playing. Um, just nonstop. It just keeps getting better and better. It, um, it's unbelievable how this game just keeps selling uh it's look it's not exactly pal world territory but it is climbing even pokemon can't reach that sometimes (laughs) i mean that's true yeah but this (laughs) game this little game that could it feels like just absolutely out of nowhere it's like hats off to the designer for cracking this code and like oh you know what i bet people want this and then it's just a direct sniper shot to everybody's gamer brain (laughs) and it's just consuming the world at this point yeah, or, you know, like, he just came up with a weird, unique idea and was probably like, eh, some people might like it, but I do. And it, right. and it I, th- I think it must just, I feel like it must just be, it's clicking with people that are probably, well, I mean, it's clicking with everyone, but I think it's, it's probably drawing in new people who probably weren't as big of fans of the roguelike genre because of there's just so much to most of them. And here it's, it's like, it's such a focused thing of like, it's video poker, but, but you're building a crazy deck and like, and that's something that's really easy to get into. And then it just, and from there, it's just, you know, like keep every run, just make a new weird deck. And I've, and that's the part that keeps me going back to it of like, I've, I've just had so many weird, interesting runs that I've managed to, you know, break that, that very, that set run that I'm doing. Like I've managed to just 
every time you blow it up, it's like, well, this is the coolest thing ever. And I'll overlook, you know, the three losses that I had or whatever, or whatever difficult challenge that I'm trying to do. And, you know, like sometimes the randomness screws you over on it and I'll be upset until, you know, like for the five seconds until I start the next one. Yeah. And then that one goes crazy. And yeah, I've, I've been having a lot of fun just trying to unlock new things. I've unlocked most of the decks now and I've, and I've been working through the difficulty levels, which I thought I assumed when we talked about last week that it's just going to be like, okay, well, you know, I've been playing on the normal difficulty level. The next one is just going to increase the the chip requirement that you have each round. And actually, they they just introduce new kind of like little twists that make it a little bit harder. And so it might be like, okay, well, you, like the first next highest difficulty besides, you know, the, the default difficulty is just from now on the small blinds that you play, you go big small blind, big blind, boss blind, and then and then it repeats that. And and it's and the first difficulty level is just where the small blinds now don't pay cash. And and so and so like that actually makes you end up skipping a lot of them because you get a reward if you don't do them, which is nice that it speeds up. But but then when you go to the next difficulty level, it'll be the small ones don't don't pay out cash and then you know something else. And it's just it's little twists on it. So so it, which is so much more interesting to me than just, hey, let's blast up this chip requirement until right. it's way too hard and I'm not enjoying it anymore. Like I can, it, it, it feels better to just be like, okay, well that I can see how that's going to make it a little more difficult, but it's also, it's also just kind of twisting your approach to it. And that makes it much more interesting and fun to, um, to tackle those. Normally I would never think of like, hey, I enjoyed this this roguelike, you know, run or this roguelike experience, let's just keep making it harder and harder. Let's do the same thing, but make it harder and harder for me to actually win. And here it's just, it's gotten more interesting and it's kept me progressing when I, when I probably would have given up. The challenge mode is really cool too, that you don't unlock until you have five wins under your belt or winning with five decks. I forget which it's like a little more, uh, you're, you have a set parameter to get a win with including like you have this joker that you can't get rid of and its ability is that it destroys your other jokers and that powers it up and you have to play around that having that kind of like set i forget what the the term is in card games where it's like a a designated deck it's not quite that much of playing their game but it is fun to have like specific goals that's something i always like in in games like hearthstone and like this but it is so Mm -hmm. much like gambling to me as as a lot of roguelikes are it's just it has less artifice over it in this one this one it's because it's cards i'm being reminded like these are gambling emotions this lo- <laughs> losing three times in a row and yeah. feeling more driven than ever to play more even though i'm not having fun and i'm just yeah. mad these yeah. are these are gambling emotions the high highs those it's like oh i hit the jackpot on the luck of getting the card that is four lets you make straights that are only four cards long oh, and the card the that best. lets you have a so gap good. in your straights, Ooh, which yes. I found out was infinite gaps. You could have two, four, six, eight, and that's a straight in that deck. Mm-hmm. And oh. I had a large hand, so every single hand I had a straight without having to discard. Like, getting on that kind of crazy run, no matter what yeah. kind of crazy good or crazy bad run you get on, you're like, oh, well, I have to do another one. Mm-hmm. The wild thing is yeah, listening the- to, to Bonus Pod, uh, Haley McLean had Janet Garcia on, and Janet 
went to Vegas for the first time and brought Bellatro on her Steam That's Deck. So like playing Bellatro like in a casino. <laughs> Just like <laughs> ultimate vibes. But here, hey, you put down your money and you're good forever. It's such a clean experience, I think, compared to a free-to-play game or just an actual casino you could be thrown into. Yeah. yeah. If you guys haven't done it yet, you there each each deck that you unlock is a different color. And there's there's this black deck where it's um you you can have one extra joker in your hand, but the trade-off for that is that you can play one less hand. And that one is that one's kind of a pain in the butt because because having an extra joker isn't isn't that great anyway, because there are negative jokers that don't that will do the same thing. But being down a being down a hand is really annoying. Um and so that one took me a while to actually beat. But when I did, you unlock the checkered deck. And this is the one that you guys should really go for because the checkered deck turns all of the diamonds in your deck into hearts and it turns all of the clubs into spades. So you only have oh, two suits. Interesting. And so like, and so when you play that one, obviously you're going for flushes like the entire time. And it is, it is so broken just like in that, in that, in its core setup that you, that like I had one deck where I, I got like 14 million chips in one hand and it's it's just like it it takes the it takes that core formula and especially when you're when you're trying to do the extra difficulty levels and those kind of things it it takes that formula of like okay build something that's broken and it 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 makes it much easier to like build very specialized decks um and so i've been playing with that one a lot and it's just like this is it's such a weird and unique game that you can you can give me this one random thing and it's like Oh, I can do so much with this, with like this weird broken thing that I'm, I'm going to, you know, I probably spent the last 10 hours just building flush decks with this one specialty deck uh, inside this game. That sounds fun. I, something I really like about it is when you get a hot deck like that, when you beat the game, it's, you press a button to go to endless mode. And you get mm-hmm. to play more, and the difficulty ramps up super, super fast. Yeah. And you, it's absurd. Yeah, <laughs> gets you get ended pretty quick. But it's still something I don't know any other rogue like that has solved in that way. Of like, I really love this run I'm on and this specific build I have going, and I wanted to see how far it would take me. But right. now, like at the end, you still get to. It's like a cool. you know, it's like a bonus bean room type of situation. Yeah. And 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 they they ramp it up fast enough where it's like, okay, play with this a little longer, see how much you can you can break it further, but like. We don't want you to go two hours, you know, just like slowly grinding it up, like like play with it as fast as you can. And then we're going to throw like five hundred million dollar requirement at you. And if if you haven't really broken it at that point, like just start over with something else and, and try something new. Yeah, it gets up to like 1.5 times the power of E or whatever, like that you only uh-huh. see in clicker games, having that kind of scientific notation. <laughs> yeah. It's really just like you think this deck is good. Here's you can test it real quick. See how good it really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Haley, I know you talked about it on Bonus Pod, but full disclosure, how would you word this, your connection to Balladro? <laughs> yeah, we were talking about this before the episode started. It might be the first time a disclaimer of this nature is necessary on a podcast. But yeah, it's, it's my client's uh, game, which is super exciting. Um, and yeah, I was talking about it on Bonus Pod, it, it just that it warms my cold lawyer heart to see <laughs> an indie that i you know i i helped get situated and set up and stuff find success so quick like it's it's just been amazing to see and i you know i talked to my client before this because of course as all lawyers know you have to get your client's permission before you talk about how they're your client in public and 
I sent them an email. I was like, oh my gosh, congrats. Like this is, and they, they're just so excited about it. Like it's blown away, right? Like you can, you can know you have something special, which I, they must've known with this kind of game because it's so, it's so good. And I, like all the reasons I've been playing it too. I absolutely adore it. I haven't pulled a Jeffum in one a run yet. Oh, there you go. Now it's a good thing. <laughs> and, but I've tried so hard. I've gotten so close and I can just see for all the reasons that y'all are talking about it. It's just such a, it's, it feels like such a no brainer, but the best games always do after the fact, right? Like, of course yeah, this right. feels so great. And I'm so glad that an indie dev made this and not, you know, maybe a big corp that might have shoved a bunch of microtransactions in it as a mobile game or something where it loses its appeal a lot more quickly, like pay yeah. to win kind of thing. It's just, no, here's the really good game we have. And if you're good at it, go ahead, get creative. And it just really leans into the player creativity side of it. I just think it's super fun. And it, it makes me really excited that I'm at that point in my career now because I've only been a lawyer for about two-ish years that my clients I met when I was beginning my life as a lawyer are now like releasing things because I have another a lot of other clients this releasing games this year too it's like that period of time in my lawyer life if that makes sense yeah but it's such a, it's old. so fun it's really exciting to see so you and your firm are the reason that um local thunk who's the developer's name that their millions and millions of dollars are going to the right place and there's no legal ramifications in a negative way for Bilotro's success is that what's going on here Sounds like we did so much. I, I helped them get their company all organized and all, all IP all organized. Cause you know, that's a huge thing with new devs is um, they know how to make things really, really well. And I get so many devs that come to me and, and a lot of my initial call will just be, how does IP work? Cause it, mm. it's just, it's, it seems basic, but then when you're going to set up an incorporation, it's like, okay, well, if I just work on it, it's going to end up in the incorporate in the corporation, right? It's like, well, no, we have to do this. This it, there's a lot of behind the scenes knowledge you have to learn about. As soon as you kind of, it's almost like you expand from a sole proprietorship to a corporate entity. You think, oh, it's the same thing. I just have a corporate entity. It's like, no, there's a few extra things you have to do now, and it's just explaining those kind of things to make sure that they can just be the creative ones and do everything amazing and be the smarty who knows all these amazing ways to make games that I could never think of in a thousand <laughs> years and make this cool product. That's sweet. Again, if you want to win a code for uh, Bellatro on Steam there, uh, leave a quote from the Joker on MinMax's Instagram post of a picture of Leo. You'll know the one when you see it. It's not Leo. What's your favorite quote from the Joker, Hanson? God, where do you start? The Joker? Favorite quote? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ever dance with the man in the pale moonlight? That's too obvious. Um, Oh, you know what it is? It's in Batman. Okay, that's good. good I was going Batman 1989. It's when he's reading the newspaper. And then he just starts going, whoop, whoop, whoop. And he just makes words, oop sounds. It's just like, it's the hammiest, most ridiculous Jack Nicholson line of all time. Just, you can tell he's like, well, we can't cut because Jack Nicholson being weird. And I guess we'll leave it in here. Him just making oop sounds at the camera for a while. So that's probably so newspaper w- emoji. O-O-O-O-P. Yeah, yeah. That's acceptable as a quote. We'll take that's that on old, Instagram. That's the post. only comments that are going to be left in the post now. Uh, <laughs> hey, there's this other game that's out now, you guys. It uh, shut a drop last week called Penny's Big Breakaway. Um, if you remember this thing from the previews and the roll-up to it, this is published by Private Division, but the developer is Evening Star who you might know, um, Christian he- uh, Christian Whitehead is the lead designer over there, and him and his team previously worked on Sonic Mania. They detached from Sega after releasing Sonic Mania uh, and decided to make their own game, and that is Penny's Big Breakaway. Um, who's all been playing this thing? Raise your hand. 
if you are ready to cast the first stone. Okay, I've been great. Playing it. I played some. Yeah, Jeff um, and Haley and I. Awesome. Um, okay, first first things first. I just love the idea that Sonic Mania, wild success. So many Sonic fans are like, thank God this game rules. These people get it. And then the fact that these developers split off and that they didn't just make Penny's Mania. You know, the fact that they're like, no, we're going to up it. We're going to go for a full 3D platformer at this point. And instead of making like a Genesis inspired platformer, we're going to make the easiest comparison is like a Sega Saturn feeling platformer kind of early 3d console level platformer but with a lot of polish and you know interesting mechanics in there but kind of has the vibe of i was looking at like this is really dorky so hopefully kelsey lewin is listening and she appreciates it but i was looking around like other other sega saturn 3d platformers that are comparable and there's one game for the saturn called ninpen monmaru that i saw and i was like okay this has to be an exact point of reference for penny's mm-hmm. big breakaway here for for the vibe they're going for here um but Haley, what do you think about penny breaking away in a big kind of way uh so my experience with the game is kind of a bummer because i loved what i played of it so far and that i've only been playing it on steam deck and then it will not let me pass a level without crashing and i've tried Whoa. every single thing i could ever do which is just unfortunate so i think i just have to go to my pc and play it on pc to beat that level and then it'll keep working because right. all their elements of the game i've just been busy so i haven't been able to just sit down and do that quickly to keep playing it so that's just a bummer and i, I you know can't really attend to that that's just a, i think i just got unlucky but no that is a bummer because like it does feel like the perfect steam deck game like it's this is up like to that point it was a perfect steam deck game and yeah. it was running well up to that point it's just that and i've tried everything it's just this wall and if i cross the wall the game crashes and turns off on, mm. on steam deck only so but up to that point i mean it's it's one of those games where it's like okay let's let's build a world but the majority of the fun is getting around and that's most platformers right but they there's so many spunky ways it it reminds me of super mario odyssey a lot of the time where you could sling out cappy and then do a lot of things to get around and here it's a yo-yo right not one for one it's not like the exact same animations like if i throw out the yo-yo i can jump forward and jump on the yo-yo and go but it's still thinking about those kind of concepts where there's something I can check out and then that'll let me extend my jump doing X, Y, Z. It really reminded me of that. Yeah. It's interesting. Like it seems like they're designing the, the character. It's like, okay, I guess a yo-yo is going to be this character's gimmick, but then let's just pack in as many possibilities and features uh, with this yo-yo. So like just the basic idea of like, okay, you have the yo-yo, but you can kind of do the spin dash from Sonic and like just wind up the yo-yo and then go shooting. Or yeah, you can use it for like the midair launcher and stuff, the midair grapple, all that stuff. You can spin it around you to attack a bunch of enemies, which by the way, one of the weirdest things about this game is the fact that, like, the first enemies you encounter, and I'm still encountering them, it's so weird for a platformer to have, like, the first enemy be, like, a swarm of little penguin enemies coming at you. <laughs> it's like if the first enemy in a platformer is just, like, the flood from Halo. It's just, like, it's such a weird idea, and they're everywhere, and it's just like, get off of me, you little freaks! And you just, like, swing the yo-yo to try and keep them away, but they're everywhere, man. I like when games do that. And there's been a few games that come to mind where it's like the little guys latch onto you and slow you down and you have to go and get them all off. There's something very fun about that being a game. I know Twilight Princess did it with the little bugs in the desert temple. And and then you didn't know why you were slow and you had to use your your dog mode to look down and see there's ghosts of bugs all over you. You're like, oh, and then you shake them. Yeah, that that was a thing of that game. It reminded me of that, too. Jesus. It's funny you mentioned Odyssey because... I think what I really am appreciating about this as a platformer is the fixed camera. And it makes me think a lot of yeah. 
honestly, my favorite Mario game, which is Mario 3D Land. Um, like, I'm just a sucker for a platform where it's like, you don't, you're not going to have to look around and explore too much. It is just a locked off camera. You can't even move it if you want to. But even like 3D World for Mario, right? Like, we're always going to show you exactly where you need to be looking. Don't worry about that. Just focus on the platforming and trying to chain these uh, controls and combos in interesting ways. And it's, it's a different vibe for a 3D platformer, but I really love it just as a change of pace compared to, you know, the typical 3D platformer these days. Like, all right, I'm going to be looking around trying to find secrets with the camera yada 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 that's uh, a good point and it, it goes well with the combo mechanic right because if it's just an yeah. orchestrated thing go all the way through it's like well just focus on combos we've got the the eyes just go and and that works well together too yeah or a little bit like kirby forgotten lands or matter of two like another like fixed camera yeah. game i think i'm pretty sure kirby forgotten lands was, was fixed camera it is yeah jeff and this game make you smile or frown like the joker <laughs> oh my god uh yeah i've I have, I guess I've been smiling uh, under those, under that binary choice. <laughs> it it like is. Who? Yes. Like the Joker. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. When I started it, it was, I, I just sat there for a while and thought like, what a, like, what a weird, what a weird aesthetic and type of game <laughs> yes. to be nostalgic for. Right. You know, like, uh, because that, that, that wasn't really like that fell out of my era of, of nostalgia. I, I was too old for that. I'm, you know, I'm an old, old guy, but, but once I started playing it, um, it really, yeah. Like, like they have clearly just put so much time into making the traversal and all of your abilities feel really good. And I, I like the fact that you can, that you, that throwing the yo-yo is, you can press a button for it, but on the Steam Deck, it's you can also just press the other um, analog stick, and it will go in that specific direction. Oh, when you, I don't think I was doing that. It. Okay, and it, that's, yeah, what, it, that's the only way I was stuck in it. Interesting. Yeah, which yeah. which makes doing the dash a little harder because you have to you have to hit it twice in a row uh, in the in the same direction. But yeah, it's it just it all feels it all feels really good and satisfying when you are pulling off those um, those abilities and comboing them together and stuff. I do wish, I feel like the checkpoints are the part where I feel like this this is an old old thing that I don't have nostalgia for and you could have mm-hmm. just left this out. Like I don't like, I fall off of, a you know, I fall into, up into space because I missed some like double jump yo-yo swing or whatever. Or, or I just think like it looks like there might be some kind of like pick up you know, like off in this area. And so I'm just going to try and jump out there because I can't turn the camera to see if there's something over there. So I'm, I end up jumping into a pit and then I have to start farther back than, than I want for no real reason. You could have just, you could have just respawned me right on that ledge, taken off my little bit of health and, and let me keep going there. Um, But other than that, no, I'm with you on that front. Like it does feel like platformers have learned that lesson more and more. You know, just like hey, the whole live system, we don't really need it. Checkpoints, let's be as generous as possible. And this feels like, you know, not full retro design for the checkpoints. You know, if you run out of lives, just they remove your points, but you get to start at the same spot. But it still yeah, feels yeah, like it, it, platforming design from like seven years ago or something in terms mm-hmm. of just how gracious they are with the checkpoints. Yeah, when when I when I saw that, I I was very happy that it's like, okay, you've lost all your lives do you want to restart at the checkpoint that you're at? And I was like, okay, yeah, that's, that's what I've been doing anyway. Uh, and, you know, like, thank you for not making me restart the entire level. But yeah, when I get run over by a giant 
sphere of penguins. Like I don't, I don't want to have to do the part, that part. Hey, I know exactly that times. checkpoint you're talking about. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But it, it's fun. It's like, it's such a, a goofy, weird game that like, that's, that's what I'm here for. That's what I appreciate with Pacific drive Two. like all three of these games. It's such a weird time. It's such a great time mm. to have these very different and unique indie games that are doing something completely fresh. Um, and that's awesome. Yeah. Music's awesome too, by the way. Like I love the music in this yep. game. It feels like I've heard it before, but I have it, which is such a, I love when that happens. I feel bad for being this nitpicky. Maybe I don't get the reference, but it's just me. I was like, Penny is the main character, like the most hideous platformer compared like character of all time. She, I don't like the, her design either. I'm glad you that, said it. I that wasn't was, going to be a was hater, the, but I don't yeah, understand. That was it. the first thing of, and, and that's like that. That's what feels like a weird nostalgia for like when people first started making 3d polygonal games, I guess. And they were all of kind of like, ugly. This is such <laughs> yeah. a weird low polygon, you know, and like it, I mean, it it meshes with with the yeah. design of the entire game and everything, so it 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 fits. But it's like, yes, what a what a weird freak you're running around as this entire game. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, mission accomplished, I suppose. Uh, no, but talking about like just weird throwback games. It's funny because it was last week, the week before, also that game RZ released, which is the throwback to the Philips CDI Zelda games. Oh, um, yeah. Which is such a specific niche as well. Like, hey, did you really love those hated and reviled uh, Zelda games for the Philips CDI that had weird, ugly animation, were barely playable? Like, this is a throwback to that, except let's make it play well. And so I, I am also happy we're just in this era where it's like, all right, we're calling back to Philips CDI platformers, to Sega Saturn platformers. What else you got? What corners of indie games haven't we hit yet? Yeah, we, we've we finally grown out of that era of, like, everyone grew up on 16-bit games, yes. and now they're the ones making indie games. And so now we're getting into, like, 32 and 64-bit and three early 3D games and, like, the ugly Resident Evil horror games. And, and like, yeah. I, I, like, I like that this is where... The indie space because that also just like blew out so many different genres and created so many different new genres. There's like so much more to mine there than just 2D platforming games, yep. which we got so much of. But I feel like it was space. even like, you know, five years ago or so that we started to get like the PS1 throwback horror games. So it feels like we kind of jumped the freaky console era a little bit, like that <laughs> yeah, that yeah. gap between 16 and 32. And now we're going back and filling in that holes, filling in all those wonderful holes. That's what a game like What are we going to do when the babies who grew up on The Last of Us Part Two are grown up? What will the throwbacks oh. be? Huh. 4K visuals. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, the engines will be making most of the game. AI is going to be. People are going to be oh, using yeah. AI to make games or whatever, and then we'll be in some kind of fresh hell and we'll be like, back in my day, we held a controller to play Someone games. Someone will and... find this podcast in one of those things they bury in the ground time capsule. <laughs> or I feel like it's just going to be a sea of super janky games. You know, we just recorded Cream of the Steam. Uh, where this time it was Leo and, and Jeff Cork and I in the studio jumping through the last couple of months of Steam releases. And like, it, that is, it kind of feels like that future that you're guessing is going to happen, Haley, where it's like it's a lot of what feels like Eastern European designers trying to make a Naughty Dog style game. And it's just like, yeah. I appreciate the hell out of where this is coming from, but it's just dripping with that oh. jank. <laughs> Imagine when, when kids grow up and they get nostalgic for like microtransactions yeah. and all those weird systems that they'll 
they'll put into indie games. Just empty like, gem systems just for the sake of having gem yeah. systems? Yeah, that's going to be sweet. Yeah, now you got to wait for four hours. Isn't that awesome? Oh, now it's going to be so sick. I can't wait. When you were kids. Set your watch, everybody. <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of nostalgia, um, I just want to take a quick detour, and I'm so glad I'm doing this before Sarah's here because she'll make fun of me, but thank God we have a nice positive group here so far. Um, so Age of Empires. There's an Age of Empires stream uh, last week, last Friday, like, hey, come get your Age of Empires news, everybody. And I love Age of Empires one and mythology, which is kind of the spin-off game in particular, uh, more than others, um, and four, I suppose I can throw in there too now. Um, but I know we like uh, Reagan on Microsoft to talk about, you know, how they just can't get it going over there with their games. But I was really sold watching this presentation because they just had one video of like, hey, here's the Age of Empires series just in 2023. And they are knocking it out of the park on such a ridiculous level um, so here's what's going on in the Age of Empires series at the moment. Uh, last year, Age of Empires 4, they ported to Xbox. And sadly, I haven't checked it out because I'm not a freaking baby. But everyone that plays it like says that it rules, that they actually make it control well for an RTS uh, on consoles. Um, also, they've been updating Age of Empires 4 with like new seasons and like wacky events in there that the community seems happy with. There's like esports competitions. There was an expansion uh, DLC to Age of Empires 4 yesterday. <laughs> Damn it, Leo. <laughs> uh, watch the video version of this what? Uh, why no, didn't you bring that out on thirst council that is so perfect that's for the thirst, thirst camera man <laughs> anyways what? i'm just listening leo also they released Age of empires <laughs> 4 dlc last year their best-selling expansion ever is they're quick to point out and i'm not just trying to kiss too much butt here but i think it's just awesome because also age of empires 2 they had a new enhanced edition of that come out not too long ago, right? And last year they announced and released DLC for Age of Empires 2, which is a game from 1999, and this DLC brings in all the civilizations from Age of Empires 1 into it and adds new campaigns and new civs. Also, they remastered Age of Empires 3 and had DLC for Age of Empires 3 last year. And then they announced that they're making Age of Mythology Retold, which is the enhanced edition of 2003's Age of Mythology, which is one of my favorite games of all time. Um, and they also announced they're making, you know, Age of Empires Mobile, which I would, I'll check it out out of curiosity, but it's going to have some of those dirty gem systems. So how interesting can it be? Um, but it's from like great developers. I mean, the same team that made like Pokemon Unite and stuff. So like, you know, if you're into that scene, I'm sure they'll find somebody, but it just feels like, they could not be going harder in the Age of Empires franchise at this moment. And it's one of those things where, like, every time you lift up a rock and be like, how are those Age of Empires fans doing? They're all just like, yeah, this rules. This is great. Don't stop, please. Like, it's just, it's weird to have just a pocket of a fan base in the game industry quietly be so happy. And for Microsoft just to, like, have this sliver <laughs> that they're just catering to so much better than all their other franchises throughout <laughs> the history of Microsoft. Oh, and no. Is it, paying, is it paying dividends on that? Like, do they make a lot of money on those people who are very happy? Or is it kind of just a niche market that's happy and they're like, oh, we lost a bit of money there, whatever. Classic blood-sucking lawyer over here. <laughs> yeah, How they're much making- money can can Microsoft make? I care about them and their shareholders. Uh, they said that they now have 50 million players of Age of Empires overall, and the expansions are selling oh. well. So I, I think there's still an audience there still, you know? Yeah. But um, yeah, Age of Empires... You of lie Myth- about the numbers there is. <laughs> yeah, they can. But Age of Mythology Retold, they really haven't blown out in a huge way uh, what they're doing yet with gameplay. But Jeff, do you remember anything about Age of Mythology from back in the day? 
I'm afraid not. Well, your life is poor for it. But uh, it's, so this remaster is coming out in 2024, and it's launching day and date on Xbox, which is pretty funky. Uh, I'm curious to see what those controls are going to be like, but maybe they'll have a slightly bigger audience because of that. But Jeff, um, you like uh, mythology? Yeah. So yes to that. He's okay. starting. He's starting fun. wide so that he can zero you into uh-huh. Age of Empires mm-hmm. eventually. <laughs> but imagine you had like a game that where you could take the God of War universe and go up against the Hades universe. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. Well, then you'll love Age of Mythology. No. Uh, it is it's just so fun. It's like Age of Empires, but with wackier uh, units and bigger swings because you have God powers. And they've like started in interviews talking about how they're changing things up. And now in the remaster for Age of Mythology, now the God powers like recharge and stuff, which is wild because like there are some awesome abilities like i would always play as isis the god um in the original age of mythology and like Whoa. she had the option Huge for like isis fan that's here. right god. absolutely isis main isis main indeed and so like her one of her final powers is she can just rain meteors out of the sky and just annihilate an entire town it's like the most satisfying thing to pull off and the fact that that's like on a cooldown now instead of like a one-time use i think it's going to make Age Mythology remastered, even like more dynamic and wild and wacky. And I'm very excited for just like the little things they revealed so far of like upping the population limit and having the ability to have more, uh, you know, micro opportunities with the hero myth units now. So I, I could not be more excited for Age Mythology retold. It's at this point, I think it's probably my most anticipated game of 2024 that's remaining, which is this this feels like we have to bring back, um, the Nusho Plus boot camp game. Yes. And you play this with Sarah. You make Sarah play this and you tell her while it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While she makes poopy faces about everything like you did for Baldur's Gate 3. I do think... <laughs> <laughs> that's how I remember it too. I do think that was when we had that for Nusho Plus last year where Leo pitched Hitman and Sarah pitched uh, Final Fantasy XIV. I think the next one was me pitching Age of Mythology and it lost the poll. So people aren't even uh, shut it hearing. It already them. lost. <laughs> but New <whoa>. show overflow. <laughs> just have you fixed one yet? Uh, n- well, no, but I'm really excited about the one that we have in the works. It's not 100% locked in yet, but I am so in love with it. Maybe next okay. new show overflow, Leo, we can bring back the pitch for Age okay. of Mythology. I do want to see it. I would be there. Thank you so much. Um, hey, should we bring in this... Witch? That's kind of She's been waiting. Know, she was she in the chat. She tried to pop in. She jumped in for a second. Uh, okay, Jeff, thanks for being here. All right, good luck. Uh, enjoy your ribbing. Okay, so. bye. <laughs> See you guys later. I also have a loud laugh, and half the time I'll be like, well, nah. well, well. Oh, shit. oh shit. Everyone be cool. If Everyone be cool. It isn't 3 40. <laughs> oh, wait, no, it's 4 p.m. Oh, shit. 4 p.m. and I said, you know what? You know what I said, Ben? I said, yeah. what could they be talking about? <laughs> what could they be talking about? I was like, is the poker game just too exciting? Uh, so yeah. guess what, Ben? I come, I come into the backstage pass, right, right. and you know what I see? What? Age of what? Age of Emp? What is this? You haven't even finished the name of the game. <laughs> Give it that much respect. At Put least, me Sarah. in my box. <laughs> Put me in my box. I'm not done complaining. Sarah, just wait for sales pitch. I can wow you. I can wow you with Age of Mythology retold. When you see those god powers, you're gonna crap your pants. 
It's gonna be sweet. Uh, hey, this so- I don't know. This game is the game that, like, when I was a child and I would like go over to my friend's house for sleepovers, like right. the dad would be playing quietly at the family PC, not making eye contact with anybody. <laughs> right. This is that game. Yeah, a good game. Do you think that quiet dad game? Yeah. Do you think millions of dads are wrong, Sarah? Do you think we're just objectively incorrect about so, Age of Empires being fun? Everyone, every every age group has their weirdo dad game, and this is this is this one. First off, millions of dads are wrong. I'm confident saying that. <laughs> About just their opinions on life in general and stuff and emotions. Especially politically. Okay. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But now when it comes to gaming, like, you know, there's the age of dads that were like, <laughs> age of dads before Age of Empires who were really into like war sims and stuff. Like I'm talking like, you know, Sid Meier's Gettysburg level of dad. Then I feel like cool dads wearing sunglasses uh, they're into Age of Empires, and then I don't know what's the new dad game. What's like the era after Age of Empires? You think you covered every type of dad already? <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, Sarah, welcome to the show. Yeah. Do you think? I'm Jane, sure everyone will love to listen to me talk about Bandletail after Ben has asked. Everyone's gone. They everyone left. <laughs> Nobody's here anymore. <laughs> Dare you? <laughs> they left. Look, I know we were late, but good lord, uh, Sarah, you want to talk about Bandit Tale? You want to talk about Pokemon stuff? Um, we could talk about both, depending on whichever one you want to talk about first. Yeah, let's jump into Pokemon for those who are left. Okay, <laughs> for those who have dared to linger <laughs> on this podcast. Hey, the Pokemon presents happened this week. Hype was running amok. Everybody guessing something wild is going to happen. Leo, you are seem we just in it? Because oh, we're in it. Clap. <laughs> yeah, I figured it's too good not to just have it in. There it is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Very oh, small. Hi, Sarah. Hi, oh, welcome. you appeared as if out of nowhere. Uh, hey, uh, Haley, I feel like we yes. haven't really talked about too much on the podcast, like how much of a Pokemon nut you are. Um, I love Pokemon. Quietly. All those little guys. Yeah, you're like playing the DLC for Violet and Scarlet and like getting into like competitive Pokemon stuff. Like you got a whole scene to you. I have a absolutely fabulous Abolus friend group and we all love Pokemon and we regularly get our switches together and fight each other. It's very, very fun. I, I'm grateful for that. I'm so jealous of your life and your existence in general. Um, it's let, great. Can you let everybody be you just for one day, please? No. You show plus. Ooh, write it down. Be Haley for uh, a day. You don't want it, you guys. I'm faking it. It's really hard. I'm tired. your emails. Uh, oh, they're the worst. So Pokemon Presents, what, were you hoping for anything in particular for this presentation with yeah. all the rumors and stuff flying? I mean, my hopes for Pokemon every year are too high. I was like, oh, Stadium remake, Pokemon Pinball remake. Yeah, right, never. And black and white remake. I want all these remakes because the newer games have been kind of poopy dookie lately except for Arceus but <laughs> sorry to swear on the pod but you know I was hoping I think mainly for a black and white remake was the yeah. biggest thing I was excited for because I really like that really uh, not yeah, a Pokemon I, channel remake it's the only one you didn't <laughs> list you didn't like Pokemon channel you didn't like come watching TV Pikachu doesn't come to mind what, what's that one where you yell at Pikachu through a hey you Pikachu a hey you Pikachu oh, hey you finest. Pikachu remake actually with our with the way that speakers and and our freaking controllers these days work. It probably would be okay. Yeah, save it for Maybe. Switch too. I think. I mean, now that we got like new Pokemon Snap, it's kind of like game on for like what else? What else? Pokemon Pinball. Mm-hmm. Come back. I'm trying to remember the theories about Pokemon Black and White 
coming up. It's like, it's just because we, Pearl and Diamond were last. But then I feel like there was some other ammo of like, there was some character from Black and White within Scarlet and Violet. There was some other connection that it felt like everyone was dead set. I'm like, these remakes are going to be coming up next for this fall mm. for the Switch. Here we go. And then zero. <laughs> I'm on Pokemon TikTok and I see so many like... In this trailer, this starter, this starter, and this starter were shown. Therefore, one could deduce that they are going to blah, blah, like absolutely grasping at straws. And I'm like, fair enough, we're excited, but false hope. There was a lot of false hope inserted into the community over the last couple weeks, thinking I think that this last Pokemon Day announcement was going to be bigger than it was. And Arca- the new Ar- Legends game looks cool, but other than that, mm, I was kind of like, oh, all right. Like <laughs> we were, I don't know how many minutes into that into that um, show. Yeah. And the chat chat was like, we have two minutes left. We have one and a half minutes left. We have a minute yeah, left. And like, nothing was really shown yet. No. So, so it, that, yeah. it didn't hit quite like I thought it was going to do. Yeah. They know it's a Pokemon trading card game pocket, which is kind of like a redesign of their free to play card game for mobile and PC, which looks nice, but it was, it is kind of gross. Just having the guy walking around town and there's notifications like, Hey, why don't you open a pack? It's just like, they're just trying to, make that part of your daily life like just rip open a pack if you're feeling down come on it's just a little bit more money it's right in your pocket at all times yeah and it's like the lawyer brain in me is like how predatory is that to children where you're you're coaxing them into this feeling of opening what could be monetized things but it's just digital don't worry but you're training them to get serotonin boost (laughs) from opening certain things that will eventually lead them to actually purchasing the physical product and spending money that's, I don't think that's their intention. I don't think there's sure. a, a board of devils in Nintendo headquarters trying to steal the pocket change of every kid for their ice cream money. But I don't know. I think about that kind of stuff when I see products just like that. I think they're just trying to be fun. And they're like, what if you could open cards digitally? But I don't know. It's not for me. So I'm, I was it's trying fine. to not be as like, oh, this sucks. But I was just like, I'm not excited by that. Oh, well. Yeah. But let's dive into the most exciting thing, which is, yeah, they announced a new Legends game developed by Game Freak. Of course, Leo, it's called Pokemon Legends Z, which was the rumored third game for the X and Y franchise, except it's not just Z. This is Pokemon Legends Z-A. Um, is I'll have the, to check this one out. Do you love it, Leo? <laughs> Isn't that a good name? Are they selling it? Uh, well, Ben and I saw the logo and we were like Z negative Alpha Delta. Yeah. Like we we genuinely couldn't remember, couldn't figure out what the name of the game was until the internet told us later. Yeah, it's so confusing. I had to get their email before I'm like, okay, Pokemon Legends ZA got it. Sarah, what was your hot take on the Pokemon Legends trailer? I I'm just excited that we're going back to like Lumio City and like the Kalos region. Yeah. I feel like that was like Pokemon X and Y were like the last Pokemon games that I really, really enjoyed. Really? But they were yeah, I don't know what it is, but I really liked X and Y. They had that like three thousand year Pokemon war, they had the giant, it got a little weird. <laughs> a it little. got a little weird in that game. They had Oz some weird backstory, weird lore. Oh my god. Um and I then like it X had and y it was like the beginning of the end, right? Because that's when the mega evolution started. That was like the beginning of like each gimmick per game. Z-move, so now it's like, blah, blah, blah. yeah, the Z, yeah, it Gigantamax. was like the beginning of the end. But like I, I was accepting of it back then. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> so there's a lot to unpack and a lot of mystery here for the Pokemon Legends game. But I was surprised. It seems like the Pokemon community was like frothing at the mouth for the return of Mega Evolutions, and they have the little symbol at the end. And I guess the community lost mm-hmm. their mind. It's because they want Mega Evolutions, Mega Evolutions to come back because it's like the best gimmick or they want new mega evolutions. But in my mind, it's like, yeah, I remember the mega evolutions. They were, they were fine. It, uh, yeah. It was the beginning of just kind of like, yeah, just kind of like a, 
a gimmick era of Pokemon. And it was kind of the first of those to really be hit hard in the marketing by. But I don't remember having too many fond memories of the Mega Evolution. It is the best gimmick, I think, of all the ones that have Mm -hmm. come after it. Like Gigantamax, they're big now. Sometimes they have... <laughs> what if the Pokemon got really big? <laughs> what if they so were silly. shiny? Like, okay, <laughs> cool. Like, I, I don't know. The, the Mega Evolutions were like the first time where Charizard looks different. Whoa. Sure. And that, that did hit different at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the big thing here for Pokemon Legends ZA um, is, yeah, we're going back to Lumio City, which is kind of the, the Paris of the Pokemon world. And the trailer is super cryptic about what's happening. There's like paperwork that they're uncovering that says urban redevelopment plan. And then it shows like old timey sketches of like Pikachu being drawn in the design of Paris. But then it jumps into like a Tron world and all these Pokemon are running around a Tron version of Lumio City, which it genuinely has me excited. Like I liked Legends Arceus a lot. The more I think about it, the more I appreciate it. Playing Pal World, maybe go back and be like, you know what? It's Arceus the best game they've really ever cool. made. It's the best Pokemon game made, I think. Personally. Whoa interesting yeah. yeah a lot of people don't like the gimmicks that in that like you have to catch pokemon over and over like that, yeah. that kind of thing. i think it was fresh and it made it fun for the first time in a long time and even going to scarlet and violet after that if we pretend that that game doesn't look like hot garbage i don't know i ended up missing things from arceus in that yep. game i was like oh i with like why take that away from me why give me that in this side project and then for your mainline item remove certain obvious quality of life improvements it just it felt like a back step to go forward in the main line which i think was a weird thing for them to do yeah the story stuff got a little frustrating i think in legends arceus but just like i just remember we had the deepest dive mm-hmm. on sarah and i just remember loving mm-hmm. like feeling scared of pokemon like those alpha pokemon yeah. having like a tang growth with its eyes glowing red hunting you down trying to kill you like this is so new for pokemon and even just that basic idea of like i'm throwing a pokeball directly at a Pokemon for the first time in an RPG Pokemon game. This feels like it should have happened decades ago. Um, but you never fought a Ghastly, bro? Pretty scary. <laughs> I guess that's true. Especially the noise they make. <laughs> uh, damn it, Leo. But long story short, what I'm excited about this is the idea of like, is Legends is just like their title for we're making experimental Pokemon RPGs. Side good we're thing. getting a little weird. Yeah, we're getting <laughs> yeah. a little weird with this one. But there's still like, it's not a side project. It's still going to be an RPG. But if this one is like the premise of this RPG is we're being sent back in time to build Paris. Like that I sounds think we're being cool. sent to the future, right? Because yeah. it was all kind of futuristic. Oh. Well, like Z to A, like yeah. back, back to front is what I thought that title meant, right? I thought you were going to oh. the future. That's what I thought the whole point of the game was. But so... Some uh, fans have theorized um, that apparently there's a big thing in Paris. And if you're French, please correct me. But like the renovation of Paris, apparently was a big thing. And off the top of my head, it's like, I think it was like Napoleon III in like the 1800s that like triggered this whole thing. So um, smart. But I guess you're like so it was a big man. thing of like, <laughs> hey, apparently Napoleon III in the 1800s is like, we're going back to the drawing board for Paris. We're rebuilding the city. We need to future proof this thing. And so I think that's what they're playing with since Lumio City is their Paris. Um, and so if there is some like city building aspect, it sounds like the cool. game Sarah's always wanted, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, so a lot of mysteries about this, including the fact that it's coming out 2025. And in the official email, um, they say that this will be released worldwide for the Nintendo Switch family of systems in 2025. It's like, yeah. family of systems. Launching that- simultaneously was a word they used. On all Nintendo Switch family of systems, is that what they said? 
Yeah, the word simultaneously is like very key, I think. Well, it's also interesting that like there was no gameplay shown in this. It's all just kind of like cryptic teaser stuff where it's like, oh, they maybe didn't want to show it because it is running on the Switch too and it's going to look too good and we're going to cry because it's so beautiful. But then I was going back and looking. It's like, I think it's just the Nintendo legalese. Like all other Nintendo emails, they call it the quote Nintendo Switch family of systems. And that's to get like the Switch Lite, Switch OLED so I, I don't think we should be reading too much into that necessarily. And I'm just leaning back on like Game Freak's never been a cutting edge studio. Like it, they're always not to, to bash them too but much. But has got them hot on the ropes. They've got to do something. I just don't <laughs> think they react to things. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I just feel like they're not going to be there on day one for the Switch 2 pushing the technical boundaries. I mean, that'd be awesome if it is. I think it's probably going to be a Switch game that might run slightly better on the Switch 2 if that They'll system... They'll have a 1080p handheld, finally. Right. I think it's going to be something like that rather than like, this is a launch game designed for the Switch 2. I mean, that would be freaking awesome, but I don't think people should get their hopes up for, for the new Legends game in that way. Uh, but there we go. Pokemon Legends Z and A, everybody. Uh, Sarah. Yes. Sarah, welcome to the show. Well, so so great to be here. I'm excited to hear you talk about um, League of Legends, and I'm going to give you the respect <laughs> that any fan of a hardcore PC game yeah. deserves. No, I I do feel like I deserve that a little bit. It is a little <laughs> weird playing Riot's cozy game like Bandeltale, and it's like it's so hard. Playing this game, it's a very cozy game. It's a crafting RPG made by the same people who made Graveyard Keeper, which is one of my favorite oh, games. Oh, yeah. That's literally the only reason I picked it up, because I snubbed it. Orig- like Initially, I snubbed Bandletail. I was like, I don't want their cozy game, you know, trash. And then they were like, oh, but it's made by the same developers who made Graveyard Keeper. And I was like, I'm in. I'm in. I'm all in. But it is weird playing this sort of cutesy, cozy pixel art game, and then coming across the League of Legends characters like you're at Disney. And they're like, right. hey, everybody, it's Vigar. And it's like, I have like a little, kind of have like a war flashback. It's like, double kill, triple <laughs> kill, quadra kill. And I'm just like, because <gasps> it's like, it's it's such a stressful game. Lead. And all yeah. I have with like all of these, I don't have good memories with League of Legends characters <laughs> like, like Vigar or Tristana or like Lulu. Like I don't have or Teemo. Like I don't have good memories with these characters. Like I encounter them and I just remember like up two, three, four, like something about the scout's code. Like I'm invisible and I'm going to poison you. Like it's it's like where like I almost think going into this game, not knowing anything about League of Legends IP yeah. or League of Legends itself, you're in a better state than me. Yep, I think you're that's in fair. A, you're in a better mindset because I jumped than into I yeah, I jumped into Bandeltilla here, and it's like okay, it's just like a little adventure game where you go around doing quests for people, and it's all about crafting and like knitting. It opens with like knitting yourself a new leg, and that is like the the joy I think of just like playing this without any attachment to League of Legends because. Well, maybe it is distracting because I'm finding myself being like, "Who? I wonder which character is the league character. Is it is his name Bandle or is it is it Yordle himself? Is Yordle like a league fighter? Yordle is the the species of all the the little like oh tiny okay. What a blunder for Ben. (laughs) And it's Bandle City, but. But that's just the name of the city. That's not anything else. That's not the name of the person. That's where they come from. So, like, the thing about mm. League of Legends is you bring in a bunch of champions from, like, different universes to fight in Summoner's Rift. You summon them. I didn't so even know So, quite literally, like, all of these characters are just, like, very specific 
species from a very specific area of the League of Legends universe. Got it. But which one is the fighter then? There, I mean, like, you aren't. Most of those characters aren't. But it's like Tristana, Vigar, Lulu, Yumi, Corky. Like, those are all Those are characters. all Yordles that you can play as in League? There's a lot of League of Legends characters. Yeah, Teemo. Oh, Christ. There's a lot of okay. League of Legends characters. Interesting. Um, and basically, if they introduce these characters Evo. and they don't say anything about them, that means that they're probably a League. Like, if, if they're like, hey, it's Tristana. Like, if they have a very specific name, yeah. it, it's because they're a League character. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, a main so, character name, so to speak, like in an anime. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, other than you um, having flashbacks to your time playing League, are you digging it? Is it a worthy follow-up to Graveyard Keeper? I think I think so. I think you can see a lot of Graveyard Keeper in this game and the thing of like you craft a little thing to then use it to craft a bigger thing to then use it to craft a bigger thing. Yeah. And you kind of like slowly build up your operations, which I really like. But there's a lot of quality of life changes that I think make it a little more relaxing. You know, like there is no day night cycle in this game. Did you notice that? Like, yeah. like there's the sun rises and sets, but like you don't have to go to sleep. And when you do go, to, you only go to sleep to like get experience. So you spend the entire day building up experience and then it doesn't switch over to like usable experience until you go to bed. So you can work as much as you want. You can work until your little heart, you know, explodes. But then you just don't get that experience until you go to sleep. So there is no like running back to your house at two in the morning. Right. Hoping that you don't collapse or die. <laughs> um, and in Graveyard Keeper, they had like a time limit on like like the bodies would show up and you would only have X amount of time to go back and like harvest them essentially. Yeah. And in this game, there is no like, there's no time sensitivity in this game. It's like purely go at your own pace, purely for your own enjoyment. Um, they have a system where like, if your backpack gets too full, you can send things to like a mailbox. So very, they took away all the punishment essentially. And I right. think in a good way, um, you can carry the thing that I think is the coolest is you get a little backpack to live in you have a little backpack that shrinks and then you like expand it to your house. That's so And sweet. when you go to these new areas, there's like camp spots that you can put your backpack down, depending yeah. on where you think you'll be working the most. And it's so cute. Like you plop down your backpack and you open the different pockets. You can open like a little like workspace to do all your crafting. And then when you close that, if you need money or something, you can open up a restaurant and you oh. can do like a little like cook serve delicious for all the little yordles where they come up and they order things and you're like preparing them in the back and it's like timed and everything so it's just so charming that's so sweet i I was really struck by this because it's kind of it's the end of these league of legends offshoot games like Mm -hmm. their whole riot this is the last like riot fight forge yeah because they had big layoffs earlier this year i know we all uh lose track but yeah riot had a layoff of 530 developers in January, if you recall. And that was them also being like, yeah, we're stopping the whole Riot Forge thing. But it's it was a cool project. Like, you know, I, I played a couple of these and I was really impressed by the quality overall. But if you remember how this whole project went, so there's Hextech Mayhem, which was the rhythm platformer from the developers of Bitrip Runner. That was pretty cool. Uh, Ruined King, which was the RPG from Airship Syndicate. Leo, they made your favorite game, Wayfinder. Um, and then Battle Chasers and Darksiders Genesis and stuff. But that game was really cool. Like, I liked what I played of it. It's like, oh, if I had more time, getting into Ruined King, the League of Legends RPG, would be really fun. And then Song of Nunu was that uh, adventure game, and that was from Tequila Works, like the developers of Rhyme. And then Convergence they released, which was the action platformer from Double Stallion. And then now they're also making that fighting game. 
um, 2KO, which was formerly Project L, but I guess that's outside of the Riot Forge banner, Sarah. Do you have any more insight into that? That's just like a new game from Riot, not a Forge it, crossover. They might have switched it over. Well, it's technically like, in the League universe. Moved it. Yeah. Yeah. So that seems more their style. Right, right. But it, it, it was a cool offshoot of projects of them just like getting good developers together to make something. And it, it feels a little bit like, I don't know, Marvel games, you know, where it's just one of those things of like, hey, mm-hmm. here's a hot property. If you're a developer, like, if you're an indie developer and somebody says, hey, do you want to make a League of Legends RPG? It's like, yeah, of course. That has a huge built in audience. And yet, I feel like none of these games really exploded in the way they probably hoped it would. It's almost a little bit like a Marvel's Midnight Sun situation for like all of these developers, as far as I can tell. Maybe secretly the sales are off the charts, but I didn't hear anybody talk about Song of Nunu or Convergence or anything. But uh, hey, Bandletail, Sarah. Yeah, such a cute game. But yeah. then I'm just like, I'm like, oh, I wish it didn't have League of Legends IP in it. <laughs> so cute. Like, why couldn't I just be a cute hamster anyways, throwing parties for my other cute hamster friends? Yep, I get it. Uh, but it's on Steam, it's on Epic, uh, Good Old Games, and Switch for Bandletail there. Um, do you think it's time to meet somebody new slash old? I think so. <laughs> okay. Sarah, do you have a favorite quote from the Joker, by the way? Why if you had to pick I? one. If you had to just Literally, why would I? Okay. Uh, okay, let's you, get Blake what? in here. This is weird. I feel like you model your whole thing off the Joker. <laughs> no! Oh my God! This is so strange to hear. <laughs> Blake Hester, welcome back to the show. My God. My God. Thank my you God. for having me. Wonderful. Thanks for you. letting me in. <laughs> you just let anybody in here these days. I tell you what, this <laughs> used to be a show of values. Now you just let anyone come on this thing. The roast master of the games industry, Blake at large. <laughs> Is that true? I Is that know. true? I was, yeah. I was looking to try and figure out like. Never you, stop sniping. <laughs> yeah, never stop. You've been, uh, you've been on the podcast before. Do you remember the last time you were on this show? Only once. Is it that was right? uh it was during I think Tony Hawk week. I remember I came on a big uh gameplay reveal for Ghosts of Tsushima had just dropped. Ooh, okay. And I came on and said, Looks kinda bad. And I stand by it. It was a bad game. And bad. I'm here to talk about it today. Bad game. <laughs> Perfect in doing that. Yeah, I was gonna say it's for the Tony Hawk one plus two remake, but that's yeah. a better way to frame it. Uh welcome yeah. to the show, Blake. Thank you. Um Thank you. You're coming to us in uh trying sad times, uh in good spirits yet. Uh because Game Informer yeah. decided to have a a bold move of laying one person off um, to please <laughs> some corporate overlords well, upstairs. Look, um, look, I uh, I don't know how corporations work. I've never run any aside from Game Game Query LLC. Right, right, right. Uh, however, as I was led to believe, I turned out to be too cool and chill and handsome. Oh, for, is that uh, what it was? For the Making payroll. everyone else feel bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they cut me loose, and here I am. Um. This is not the proper thing to do on a podcast, but how you feeling? How you doing? Here's the crazy thing about being laid off. Yeah, Have yeah. any of y'all been laid off? Yes. Okay. No. Sarah, maybe you can relate to this. Yeah. So I'm laid off. I'll spare everyone the gory details of that. However, I go to Twitter.com and I tweet a bit flippantly. I have been laid off. And then I spent the entire day just reading the nicest things that's ever been said about me. Right. And I was like, this rocked. I <laughs> wish I had been laid off years ago. Because I was like, where the hell are you all when I'm like just going through a normal day and need to pick me up? Right. I could mm-hmm. use some of this stuff. So 
Uh, what I'm saying is being laid off is the best thing that's happened to me all year. <laughs> it feels Just good. wait till you die. Those oh. tweets are going to be so nice. I literally felt like I was at my own funeral reading some of this stuff. <laughs> like, yeah. It was crazy. You're not going to get a better opportunity. Like, that was it. Yeah. I know. Um, I know. So I lay me off more, please. Well, I saw that you were uh, on the job search and you had, you described the tone of this tweet where uh, you were sending out just a tweet based on the number of uh, job applications you were looking for or outlets hiring. And it just said, we're looking for zero people at the moment. Leave us alone. It seemed like everyone yeah. in the industry said, we're all full. Go sleep in the barn. Yeah, it's not uh, it's not the best time, believe it or not, to be a, <laughs> no. a writer of any sort but in terms of the financial viability, the uh, commercial prospects, or least of all, how much anyone reads. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the, the market reflects that a uh, little out there. So I'm, I guess, pivoting to TikTok. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, and wait, yes. I'll, I, it looks like I'll have a bright future at the Vice Corporation as a TikTok. <laughs> host, perhaps. That uh, sounds great, man. The world is my oyster. All right. Do you want to talk more about this or do you want to get into some remaining games? I don't know. What do you want to know? Um, it's been three, three years and five months, according to LinkedIn at Game Informer. Really? Wow. This is wow. this is the only time I'll reflect upon that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. If you okay. have any I questions, do, I do have questions. Um, okay. you know, a little peek behind the curtain. I feel like I I feel like I've had a lot of conversations with you and other Game Informer folks of just like do cool stuff because you don't yeah. know what's going to happen every single day out there. <laughs> um, yeah. and you certainly were. You were uh, making some great features, hiring uh, some great folks to come on board for contract work for great features sure. in the magazine, all that good stuff. Um. Do you have a shifted perspective, though? Like, one day out, being on the flip side of, like, looking back at Game Informer, it's like, God, I, I wish I did more of this stuff. Like, it all kind of has a death tone to it, so I understand it's a little bit of, like, reflecting no. on your life, like, I wish I spent more time with my kids or whatever, but just just being on the immediate opposite side of the door, yeah. do you feel like, God, let me back in so I can do this one thing, please? I don't know why we didn't do more of this. No, not really. Um, I think, like, any reflection I've done is just like actually being appreciative of GI yeah. in a lot of ways as just like an institution. And a lot of that, a lot of my appreciation comes down to it's a magazine and it's not, hold on, uh, Steam just popped up, uh, is not at the whims of SEO day in and day out. And right. it was always weird for whatever reason, and we don't have to get into it, talking to colleagues throughout the industry, they often had this weird tone about Game Informer, yeah, that I never appreciated. Like, like, oh, sorry, you got to work there. And it's like, bro, I didn't have to write what's streaming on Netflix lists. Like, I had the <laughs> coolest job in the world. Wait, really? Like, did, did you, Leo? Did you ever experience that? I don't think I ever felt that of people being I, like. I, what I got was a lot of people who like respected it and were excited to hear those words, but clearly yeah. like had no idea what, that we did video. Probably, yes, yeah. that's exactly it. I, I like. I think I had the coolest job in the world. Like. Game Informer, no matter what you think about it, like when you work there, they're like, you want to make something cool? We trust you. Just turn it in on its due date. And yeah. like, I had such little editorial oversight. Like the, the story I always remember is going to Tokyo for the for TGS. And I was looking at the TGS lineup and I was like, this looks boring. I don't want to go to this. And my boss was like, well, go for like 30 minutes and then do whatever you want. And just like bring back cool stories. And this is and Miller. So like, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. any other outlet would be like, walk the show floor, do previews for games you don't care about. And like, that's just like the editorial focus of GI. And 
wherever I work next, I'll never have that freedom again. And so like one day out, all the downsides of like working a job aside, like I just am very humbled and honored to have been given that. Um, that's what frustrates me that you're not there anymore because you're the perfect person for that kind of work setup because your ideas are freaking fire you are the person you want to chuck <laughs> into tokyo and say see ya what are you gonna get and you come <laughs> back you. with the craziest stories yeah yeah i uh i don't know i'm honored to have had that and feel blessed that i didn't have to write guides or what's yeah the best games on game pass or whatever the hell other outlets have to do like so shouts out to GI. Nothing bad yeah. to say about the crew over there. Well, especially I think Matt Miller as editor-in-chief over there, it just seems like he very much has the right kind mm-hmm. mindset. And Miller has always been, he was the sweetest guy at Game Informer when I worked there. And it's yeah. so nice to hear that even at the top of the rodeo, he's still having that be his North Star, you know? Just like, you know what? Let's just be nice to everybody and let's try and do something yeah. cool. Miller, best boss I've ever had. Yeah. And for five and a half years, I was my own boss. And let me tell you, Miller was better than that guy. Is that right? <laughs> Reliable as all hell. Um, why do you think people in the industry look down on Game Informer? I'm curious. Let's unpack that. Let's get, let's get into it. I don't know. I mean, I have my own reasons. Like, I mean, the games, the GameStop thing doesn't help. Yeah, and that's course, yeah. not necessarily a reflection on GameStop. And it, it's more just like being owned by a brick and mortar store. There's going to come inherent assumptions about the way editorial is or isn't influenced right. from my perspective and where I stood, we had editorial freedom. I can't speak to what it's like in a managerial position sure. at Game Informer, but I like to believe the freedom I felt was true. Yeah. Um, you you dumped on some beloved stuff. I loved to dump all over games. It's one of my favorite pastimes, according to the commenters, a Game Informer. Yeah. I, I think that has you had a that, lot. You had that hot feature that was Ghost of Sushima, I think was the name of that <laughs> feature that ran for a month straight in yeah, Game Informer. It's, yeah. it's a bad game. I don't know what to tell you. Jesus I didn't make it. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there's like a lot of that and probably more stuff. I don't know. I think. It just is what it is. I think some outlets carry certain baggage yeah. that people get assumptions in their head about based on maybe how the outlet was 15 years ago. And I was like, believe it or not, none of those people still work there. Like, it's a completely yeah. different outlet. Like, whatever made you mad back in the day, that's probably asinine and, like, not important when you sit down and actually think about it. Like, the outlet is different. Like, I'm proud to work at Game Informer, but you can't always, you know. Yeah. We all, I- like... It is what it is. I always felt that there. Obviously, the yeah. brand recognition is huge and does a ton of good things for it. But I also felt like, yeah, it's a, such a legacy institution. It's been around for so long. People do have their minds made up about it when they see yeah. the words Game Informer. For they sure. know whether they're going to click or not. Right. And it's like, mm-hmm. dude, I'm sorry you didn't like an issue from 2003. I was nine years old. How's that my <laughs> problem? <laughs> like, get over it. Like, you can just say it's the Pip Mario Thousand Year Door review. We've talked about it plenty. Yeah, it's all out there. Um, <laughs> is that the one? What is that? That's the 2003 review where they gave it a 6.5. Really bad score. Um, uh, here, here's a hot question. Writers Republic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> here's a question that for you, Blake. Yeah. Um, how do you help the folks still at Game Informer? What's the best case scenario for people watching or listening? Uh, buy the magazine. <laughs> okay. Genuinely, I don't know how to do that. Um, Me neither. Can, can, you, can you subscribe to 10 months a year still? I believe digitally. Okay. I don't so, know. I got it for free. I don't, I don't know. Okay. So the best thing you can do is go into a GameStop and say, 
let me give money to Game Informer, please, and tell yeah, your boss. I think you can also buy individual issues. At yeah, this point. it seems like what they're pushing really hard, but I'm just confused about like, is that what you want me to do? Is to go into a GameStop and say, give me one issue? No, I, you can go to like, okay, hold on. Yeah. Let me go to my old stomping grounds, gameinformer.com. Okay. Mm. Could you log in too? Uh, <laughs> I was able to log into my email as late as midnight last night, which I thought was pretty funny. Were you able to export all your contacts and stuff? Uh, I was all long since saved on Gmail. Okay. Uh, nice. <laughs> yeah, you just go to the magazine and you can buy it, I think. And there it is, folks. Clear as day. <laughs> Otherwise, say some nice things to the editors over there at Game Informer. Yeah. It's not his job anymore to explain. I haven't worked there in, for, I haven't worked there in years. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get it. Um, hey, Blake, you want to talk about something much more comfortable? Sure. Yakuza like a dragon, baby. Yakuza like a dragon? Yakuza 7? Yeah. Uh, Haley okay. just finished okay. it, right? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I get it, yeah. That's that's wild, Haley. I We're a little that. behind here at MinMax. Sorry, okay. I know you're yeah. fascinated at GI or used to talk about <laughs> your games. We all talk about shit that came out years ago. Hey, here's the thing. That is the third best Yakuza game. Did you like it? I loved it. It's my first Yakuza game, as oh, suggested wow. by Kelsey. I jumped into 8, played okay. it for about 5 hours, and I was like, yes. How have I never played any of these? Right. Love it immediately. Talk to Kelsey, who loves the series and she said please mm-hmm. please go back to seven play seven first please and i said okay i'll try and seven's like one of my favorite games ever now i, I love amazing. it so much do you do you have plans of going and playing like more of the series now i want to yeah but there's more time i've heard zero is the place to start for that i think zero is like one of the greatest games ever made bar i think it's the, best one. Really? it's the best Sarah, one really you're also in that camp mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's incredible. I mean, the play style is obviously different. If like you're coming to it and you want more of that turn-based stuff, go to Infinite Wealth. But like in terms of the storytelling prowess of RGG as a studio, Zero is kind of the one where they just like knocked it out of the park. I also think Six is up there. It has its detractors, sure. Those are weak-minded people as far as I'm concerned. Six goes hard. But uh, Yakuza Zero, it's the perfect one. Just I'm right in, Haley. I'm so impressed mm, by you, Haley, uh, for a thousand different reasons. But like, I'm in the camp of like, look, in a perfect world, sure, yeah, we'd all do our research and play every previous entry. But like, just jump in now while the getting's good because Infinite Wealth rules. Yeah. Just don't rule it out. And you're like, no, no, I think I want to go back. It's like, oh, well, you're not, now you're not going to get to it. And the fact that you just banged it out, you fulfilled Kelsey's every wish in what felt like a week, and now you're primed to go for Infinite Wealth. I am, I am so blown away that you got that done. Um, yeah. I not only played it, I've, I kind of did all the mini games 100% too. I think oh I'm at 55 God. to 60 hours. Uh, in you that have game. more time in your life. What's going on in Canada? Like hidden sleep. away hours that like, because I've been trying to like play Yakuza 7 since like January and I maybe made it 10 hours in. <laughs> like, do you have a secret pocket of time that you are hiding where you finish games that we don't know about? The secret is my partner and I's hangout time is sitting beside each other in bed, each playing our handhelds and talking as we play. That's our relationship currently. So I'm able to foster my relationship while also gaming constantly. I I feel like I've life hacked my life a little bit in that way. And the rest is work slash seeing my family, which is also important, but they don't lay in bed and game with me. What the hell? So I got to (laughs) go sit somewhere else, like a coffee shop or their house. They should should be nicer to you and, and get in your bed and play a game. Um, so what was it about Like a Dragon? Look, look, obviously I love the game too. I'd argue it's the second best game of 2020. Um, yeah. but what was it that uh, rang true for you? The storytelling, like Blake yeah. was saying, it's, it's like 
Oh, I just, I thought I was going, because I, when I jumped into eight, I was like, okay, who's Namba? He's a guy who's here. Look, whatever. Hi, Namba. And I was just like playing. And I was more interested in like my immediate love of Ichiban because he's just infectious immediately yeah. regardless. They knew what they were doing when they made him. I was like, oh, this guy's such a delight. What a lovely protagonist. He's so happy, but he's not annoying. Like, I love this. Ah, oh, I feel happy having played this. And, you know, I did get spoiled on some stuff that happened in seven, but I didn't really care because I was so interested in just his arc in general yeah. going back to seven too. Um, and like the stuff he goes through, but also it just, I know I'm so excited to play eight now because there's a reason why I should like Namba is because they were homeless together. They have all this history and this happened and this happened. And he helped him. Like now I care so much more about this. And I was kind of thinking like, it's almost like seven and eight are just one long game to me now. Yep. Like, yeah, I'll have to restart my XP. But other than that, I was like, oh, this is Hello Work or the, the contractor company that's at the start of eight. I'm walking up to it. It looks identical. It very much lends itself nicely to me going back. I yeah. think I got lucky the fact that they're set in the exact same place. So I was like, I already know what's going on here. I'll just learn more of the story. And then obviously the story gets amazing and I love it. And then I was like, I'm seeing this through. I'm playing. I'm going to bed three hours early every night to play this in bed. If you I didn't know it. who that lobster was in Infinite Wealth, you may as well return it. <laughs> I, oh, Nancy Chan. I love it. <laughs> See, exactly. I have, I have a question for y'all. I've thought about a lot recently with the RGG games. It's like when we talk about like the great acting in video games, it's often focused on like the same four people that are usually like in Naughty Dog games, which great actors. That's not my, my point is not to cast dispersions there. But like, how are we not talking up talking up the main cast of like the Yakuza games? Yeah. And you're saying the Japanese like, or English? Of, that's what. That, okay, so this is my question. Like, yeah. in the Japanese cast, is it because it's in a foreign language and people just assume they can't tell? Good. I like. I hear I this occasionally. Yeah. They're like, I don't know if it's good acting because it's not in my native language, and it's like you can't understand expressivity. I like, mean, well, I don't think I've ever observed bad acting in a foreign language, is it? Which is why I think I can't. <laughs> I at least, in, you know, in voiceover, you're undoubtedly That's, losing I, some nuance. I don't think we're Neanderthals for saying like, ah, we're missing I something. Just, like, I just think the the cast of the RGG games, some of the best acting in the industry. It's great. We got to talk about them more. They're yeah. out of control. Yeah, uh, mm. Sarah, how far are you in Like a Dragon? Not that far. I like got like. I think I have, like, Yakuza fatigue. Yeah. Because I'm just, after I played all the way through up till 5, and then I had to, like, I had to tap out at 6. Um, and it's just, like, you get into this grind set where it's, like, it's kind of the same story where it's, like, oh, bad things happen. You've got the Omi Alliance. Like, I'm, like, if I hear Omi Alliance one more time, I will actually <laughs> keel over and die. Um, oh, you have, like, it, the it Korean mafia, the Chinese mafia, like, the corrupt police, and it's, like, they're in every single game. But you are playing so, like, so many of them back-to-back, like, you're asking yeah. to be burned out. Well, that's because, like, Yakuza 0 was so good. Yeah. And, like, the I other ones, not as good as Yakuza 0. So it's, like... I'm so glad I played them yeah. because they are like truly just such good games and like seeing the story progress and seeing Kitty pro- like, progress and like the other characters and how they all interact. But yeah, I just I if I hear Omi Alliance one more time, I feel like I'm going to explode. <laughs> OK, yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, Haley, it's funny listening to you like hem and ha about which game to dive in and do research for uh, for 2024 because you're like, oh, I, I've never played a Final Fantasy. Maybe I should play Remake before Rebirth comes out. But you chose Like a Dragon, and I think that's fine. I think that's a fine choice. There's still time. I'm planning on playing Remake 2 if it makes you feel better, Ben. I would say there's no universe in 
this universe where you're going to play remake, but I guess knowing challenge um, accepted. Now I'm going to do it in spite of you. You've just given me an additional reason to play. It. I didn't even Haley's get my, not like the rest of us. I was going to say, no. I didn't get to finish my sentence. I was going to say, I was going to say there's no universe, <laughs> but then now it seems like you will not be stopped and you'll finish. No, Give remake. me this. I need this extra boost. I need at the end to say, see, frankly, I did. you're a coward. And all you care about is lawyer money, not the characters uh, of Final Fantasy VII. I do love lawyer <laughs> money, but I really <laughs> want Haley, you don't have to take this from him. He's not giving you problems. I'm so glad you're here, Blake, because I really miss the safe inclusivity space we built at Game Query, and I'm yeah. feeling a little bit attacked. Yeah, I get now it. Now ever it. since I came on to MinMax. <laughs> uh, but I love that your reaction is like, because Ben says you can't do it, you're immediately going to do it. Because I've <laughs> been like not playing Chrono Cross, because I know if I did, it would bring Ben happiness. Chrono like Cross? at this point, I it's like I refuse to play it mostly because I know it would make Ben so happy. Right, Harris right, secretly right. has wow. played every Age of Empires game, but will never yeah. mention it ever. Yeah. No, I refuse. Twist the knife, Sarah. I did see you stream the Rebirth demo though, so there's no way out. I'd oh, I'm playing. Oh, I'm yeah? all in. How are you feeling about it? Yeah. I mean, I'm just so happy that like I'm not going to be in like a sewer or like a cave or like a, an industrial pipe complex anymore mm. like i am so excited to see the sun and like go to like fun places that just don't aren't covered with industrial pipes yeah you're not selling remake to me very well i gotta say i gotta go in a dirty pipe for 80 but the characters are like the opposite of a dirty pipe it's like a just imagine a clean pvc pipe of a character and that's what you're getting into with all those lovable lads there um mm, even though the demo like- i guess it kind of you're like vacuuming up grimy Mako in the demo for Rebirth. So I guess that's a little bit. That was so weird. I was like, who thought that this would be a fun idea? Men would think that vacuuming is a fun mini game, wouldn't they? How exotic. <laughs> vacuuming. <laughs> Have you tried it? Uh, yeah. So we're not talking about Rebirth in a big way on this podcast, no matter what, uh, because we have the deepest dive rolling right now on MinMax's YouTube channel and the bonus podcast feed. If you jump in at the $5 tier, you can unlock the podcast version of the best, most thorough discussion about Rebirth on the internet. We kicked off the first episode talking about the demo and the demo is like an hour and a half long. And the first discussion was three hours talking (laughs) all about clouds past. And it was super fun. Like in the days leading up to that discussion, I was a little nervous about it because I still get so many messages of people that have like, I've listened to or watched the deepest dive on seven remake that you all did. I've rewatched it like three, four, five times. Somebody said they watched it 10 times and it's like 13 oh. hours long. It's like, are you out of your minds? And so far, like we cannot let people down. Like this needs to be a fun energy in this room. And I, I feel so great about the kickoff for the deepest dive on rebirth. So it's a fun chat all about clouds past there. And you're welcome to jump in. Uh, we don't spoil anything from the original final fantasy seven in that discussion or for the rest of the, the rebirth deepest dive, but it's going to be rolling every single week uh throughout march so you can still jump in there on our youtube channel or unlock the podcast version and help support that thorough of a game club there uh the only thing more thorough than the deepest dive on rebirth is uh, leo's experience with the one the only polaroid pete is in town all you creepers come out to play that's right this is another relatively new release by minmax standards just got around to it It's a PS2 Japanese game <laughs> about taking pictures that they localized and made an American version. But then the studio, which was JVC's games division, right. got shut down. Like it, they got to the point of they had sent review codes to games magazines already. But then they shut down and never put the game out over here. So somebody leaked it wow. and now you can emulate it. Yeah, so it's a sequel technically to like a PC Engine game. And I I am so curious to see how this, 
happened because I've wanted to play Polaroid Pete for so long. I had it like I was trying to get the emulator up and running for the Give to the Max charity stream. And it's been on like the go-to list for things to stream for MinMax. And then you came back from like hanging out with your friend Joe and you said you played through this. And I'm like, that's so weird. And then you brought it up and then Kelsey Lewin's like, oh, of course, Polaroid Pete. Like she was right there. Everyone was, Polaroid Pete was on the tip of all of our tongues at the same time somehow. The yeah. Pete was on the tip of our tongues. That's right. Crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, they, they put it on and it was the most amazing thing to just watch. It's a side scroller kind of, you've got Pete in the foreground creeping along with his camera and you're controlling the reticle, taking pictures, zooming in on, Hey, that billboard, the character on it animates. So I got to take a picture while it's animating. You get right. kind of level knowledge of here's all the things that are going to move as well as reacting to it your first time through it. And Pete on screen kind of follows the reticle. If the reticle's all the way to the right, he'll creep across. You'll have to put it all the way back to the left if you're trying to move him and like dodge a projectile. And you can make him jump. And that's it. You're aiming the photo reticle and you're making him jump. And that's how you control this whole game. And it's so unique. But the real draw is just this loving detail in all these little pieces of art that are walking around doing these, these funny, weird animations. There's one at the zoo where these two cavemen are cowering in a cage you know the rest of the cage is full of animals but it's these two cavemen cowering well sure and you use your flash action use one of your flash bulbs on the crowd that's standing there watching them and they all turn around and they're apes and you have to really quickly take a picture of their (laughs) ape faces (laughs) what (laughs) it's really weird there's an onsen level where you go to the bathhouse and there's a guy who poops in the pool and you got to take a picture of the poop it's that kind of stuff (laughs) Oh, just good gaming. The classics. Think, uh, yeah. Just good gaming. We cool. we played it, threw it on normal, and then a few hours later we like we found out there's a secret level if you beat it on hard, so we booted it up and beat it again. <laughs> oh my god. On hard, which that. was really difficult, but we grinded <laughs> it out and it was super worth it. And then we were missing playing the game, so we went back and played the PC engine one and beat that too. Really? How is that one? Is that the a good better starting point? Is that the Yakuza no. like a dragon to Polaroid Pete's infinite wealth? <laughs> no, it's oh. fun uh bonus content. But it's, yeah, it's it's definitely the rough draft for the magic of that PS2 one, which is just so gorgeous and so weirdly fun to play. I wish there were more games of that genre. We even went and played a Nickelodeon Freeze Frame Frenzy, the Game Boy Advance ripoff of Polaroid P. Ooh. Where you're taking pictures in uh, Nickelodeon worlds, but that one wasn't very good. It feels Aww. like, what is the, just to fully connect these things, it does feel like it has some energy of the infinite wealth what do they call their Pokemon Snap clone again? Sujimon. Sujimon. No, no, no. That's that's the Pokemon clone. But the Pokemon, Pokemon Snap. Sicko, Sicko Snap. It's definitely like oh, Sicko Snap. Sicko Snap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very much so. Except you got a little guy you're you're moving around. That's sweet. But yeah, you know, it's Japanese from 2002, so it's going to be a scotch perverted, a scotch racist. Okay. But it was really fun to play through. And there's all sorts of secret stages. You got to take pictures of these secret things and it locks whole new levels, which like, it's that good classic game experience of there's no greater reward than having a new level. It's so fun to just see new things in that game. Yeah. It's so bizarre and so hard to even explain without seeing it. Polaroid Pete, everybody. Find a way to play this PS2 Japanese game that was originally supposed to come out in Europe and then didn't. Uh, That's sweet. Um, Hey, Blake, do you know how this whole thing operates here at MinMax? Patreon. Holy crap, this guy's He's better than all of us. He truly Mm -hmm. is the best boy. Uh, That's right, patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. Go there, find a tier that works for you. Find something sustainable for you. If that's a $2 tier, $5 tier, that's great. Um, I'm still horrified by the number of people that I message on Patreon. They're like, I'm so sorry that I can only... 
afford the $2 tier to support you all. I was like, are you nuts? $2 is incredible to go out of your way to help an independent outlet like us. So thank you to everybody who supports us at any tier. Unlock a benefit there. We greatly appreciate it. And there's a bunch of benefits in there as well. Um, and thank you, of course. Uh, thank you to some of our biggest supporters. I'm talking about i8bit. They have Day of the Devs happening. Uh, it is happening in March for the whole GDC event, but Day of the Devs needs your support. So you can go to Day of the Devs com for more information on how this all works but the basic idea is they're now an official nonprofit, no longer a gross for-profit company this day of the devs thing which i am bit helps run um but they need your support they're currently accepting donations uh through the end of this week and all the proceeds go towards costs for the various events for day of the devs which is all about getting indie developers together getting the public to play these games letting them all interact together i cannot wait to go with Haley and janet and perhaps leo will be there as well this year we'll talk about our gc plans very soon uh but you can go to daythedevs.com help support uh i'm 8-bit's cause here you can unlock uh digital benefits or physical goodies as well and just check out i'm 8-bit's wonderful online store because it's filled with wonderful gifts for you if you have a dorky proclivity or if you want to get a gift for somebody in your life you cannot miss out on i'm 8-bit and their wonderful online store. And you can, of course, use the promo code for i8bit to save 10% off of everything that's under $100 uh, by using the one and only promo code, who can forget it, Leapfrog Year. No space. So jump in there and help support them because they support us in a huge way. And help support i8bit because they support MinMax each and every week by shipping out a prize to a member of the community. And this week, it's perfect. Uh, They're shipping out a vinyl soundtrack to Pokemon Gold and Silver. And it is so good. It's called... sick. It's called... the, The art? The vinyl. Yeah. Well, even like the the press themselves look like Pokeballs. That's super cool. Yep, but like black and white Pokeballs, it looks great. It's called Johto Legends. And so whoever has the best community questions, submit it over there on Patreon. If you support us at any tier on Patreon, you can submit a question every week for the podcast. Um, and you're in the running to win a prize from IM8Bit here. And so the winner this week wins the Johto Legends vinyl soundtrack, which I was listening to while going through all the questions, and it freaking rules. Uh, all right, Leo's cat. I mean, Leo, are you ready for community questions? Yeah. Here we go. And I'm going to assume... sounds like Leo. I'm going to assume the answer is no comment, but I'm going to throw it out there for the sake of it. Uh, Hauling Gas writes in. They say, hi, Blake Hester. I'm sorry about the news. Uh, they say, Game Informer has lost a great writer. Um, you can talk during this no part comment. if you want. Okay. No comment. Uh, and then Holland <laughs> Gas asks, does this mean that now you can make a Something Rotten episode about GameStop? Something Rotten, we should point out, is the podcast that Blake does. Oh, that oh, Haley has heard of. Yeah, fantastic. With Jacob Geller, where they break down a bunch of old games. Just went through Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2, and it was a, it was a blast to listen yeah, to. Yeah, a lot of them are good. Yeah. Okay. Not all, but a lot. A lot. <laughs> uh, I told Jacob this, but I was painting a house uh, the a uh, few weeks ago, and all I did was listening to something rotten episodes, and I was like, "It's like Blake and Jacob are here with me. Help me paint." Thanks, Blake. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Nate Voris writes in. Well, I didn't answer the question. Oh, sure. Um, our production schedule is planned out through sure. next year. Sure. So like maybe in 2025, okay. but I wouldn't hold my breath. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Sure. Uh, Nate Voris writes in. They say, hey, it's always awesome to have Blake on the pod. <laughs> yep. Here I am. Uh, hey, considering that uh, he's on his, he is on with the esteemed members of the Thirst Council, 
I don't know what Thirst Council is. I've never been involved with that. Um, they're asking, does Blake have any video game crushes? Oh, yeah. Also, oh, yeah. also, before you take us out the deep end, shout out to the Silent Hill opinion piece a couple months ago and Something Rotten. Even if the Silent Hill remake is ter- terrible for Silent Hill 2, is Blake looking forward to the discussion, comparison, slash analysis when it releases? Absolutely. If you read the upcoming issue of Game Informer, you'll hear my thoughts about the Silent Hill 2 remake and how I think it looks good. And people are being babies about it. Interesting. Um, do I have a video game crush? I yeah. can guess one. I can What's guess that? one. 2B. Okay. 2B. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, of course. Come on. Streaming yeah. it? <laughs> the, the streaming app, yeah. The, okay, here's the thing. Tubi rocks. There's a lot of great yes, stuff bro. on there. Unearthed mm-hmm. films, putting like a lot of their catalog on there. Go watch a record of Sweet Murder. That movie will blow your mind. They're Columbo? Doing a lot of, oh my god! Don't even no sign name required. Mm. Um. So I've thought about this a bit. I, you know, of course, Tubi came to mind. Kiryu came to mind. Interesting. Uh, the mechanic from Devil May Cry 5 came to mind. Right, right. Uh, Maria from Silent Hill 2 came to mind. Oh, Amy yeah. Rose came to mind. Oh, now we're getting warmer to Haley's <laughs> territory. Okay. Melita Fox from the Sly Cooper games came to mind. She's a Casanova on our tier list. You see those abs? Yeah. Like, yeah, she's just a Casanova, all right. But if I'm going with the one my heart beats the strongest for, and perhaps this is a bit of recency bias, I gotta say, Kaide from Killer7 has my heart. Um, Interesting. Just a a drop-dead beautiful woman uh, who also scares me a little bit, which is what I'm looking at looking for in most partners so. <laughs> you're looking at on your wallpaper shouts out to kaide from killer seven and it's, uh, it's one of the my favorites. it's the blood soaked dress that is throwing you off a little bit i think throwing me off oh i <laughs> not thrown off anything reeling him in yeah. Yeah, va, va, boom. yes sir uh yeah so shouts out but you know i i, I love all women and men in video games <laughs> and think they're all equally attractive and mewtwo as well that's Haley's. That's Haley's beat right there. <laughs> oh man! See, no, people don't know that was a game query thing originally. <laughs> right. Oh that yeah, was, that was like a 2018 game query episode yeah. reveal. Yeah, it was that only was... until I came to MinMax that I started getting, I'll say it, chastised. <laughs> here's the, you love. Now here's the thing: I don't shame anyone based on their attractions or proclivities as uh, long as they're above board in the eyes of the law and the Lord. Right. However. For the good of Haley's career, we had to take that Mewtwo episode off the air. You have a lawyer <laughs> saying these things about Mewtwo. That's why Game Query scrub from the internet is because that one episode where <laughs> I said really that. Smart. Yeah, there are two. St- there are two episodes still out. I don't know how to take them off the internet. <laughs> Wait, how do, how do just two not be hard to take off? I think it's the final two. It's the April Fool's episode and the final episode. Oh, those so. are good ones, though. Let's leave those yeah, out. Yeah. Sarah, April how are you feeling? Fool's one's a classic. How are you feeling about Thirst Council these days, Sarah? After the third I, week in a row of it conquering. This is probably the proudest I've been. You know, like, cause like Trek to Shrek. <laughs> yeah. That was a really proud moment for me to right. start Trek to Shrek. To kick off Trek to Shrek. But this, the the activity in our Discord has, like, quadrupled. It's tripled. Um, and it's been going for a long time. It's rivaling House Hunters yep. now. And it's like, yeah, it's it's proud. I'm proud. Good. Pride is the only word I can say to describe my feelings. Yeah, I think when we started the last episode. Sarah said, "I was meant to do this." <laughs> she phrased this. Yeah. I, I I apologize for my ignorance here, but is yeah. a show on MinMax just talking about video game characters what you find attractive? 
Heck yeah, buddy. All we do yeah. is slot them into the categories. We got uh, a whole they, tier list. Yeah. Have you considered Kaide Smith from Killer7? We'll have Submit to slot it. that in in, in honor. Submit her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Put her on the I'll big board. I'll knock it until you try it. Somebody uh, in the uh, chat for the last episode said, this show has permanently rewired my neural pathways. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, okay, Crowboy in the Backstage Pass chat. Yeah, he says, the first run of House on Rise went for four weeks for New Show Plus. If you're not familiar with New Show Plus, you can check it out on YouTube but or Twitch on Tuesdays. Uh, but we let $10 supporters on Patreon, I'm sorry, I got choked up thinking about it, vote to choose which new show we so create nice. or continue every week. And House Hunter Rise was a champion. I think I think Sarah the Horse Girl went for four weeks as yeah. well. Uh, but then I think I killed it. Yeah, I forget. It was I like... We had to do something to kill it. Yeah, this oh. episode of Sarah you the Horse Girl... shot it in the head after it broke its leg. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So if... So it's got... Basically, Thirst Council has two more episodes to go before it truly shatters the records here. Uh, so we'll see if it can go the distance. But we got some things in our chamber. We have good shows. We can dethrone it. It's not impossible. Ben, what do you mean we have good shows? We Thirst have, Council is a good I, show. There's no doubt it's a great show. There's no <laughs> doubt it's a great show. If I was perverted enough to watch your filth, I'd appreciate it on a new level. But yeah. Uh, Michael Gibbler writes in and says, Happy Fall Spring, Minmax. What are all of your experiences with RuneScape? I remember sometime last year, Sarah mentioned that she was into RuneScape when she was younger, and anecdotally, I know a lot of people around my age, 30, were and or are really into the game. I think it's really unique in the MMO world in that it has quite sizable free component for it. Uh, you can spend hours just playing the free experience the game had to offer. Thanks for everything you do. I love listening to everyone each week and try to get Sarah on the show more, says Michael Gibbon. Oh, thank you. Um, we try, yeah, she will incorrect- not come on. <laughs> the only incorrect statement was was into it when I was younger. I actually didn't start playing it until I was in college. Oh. Um, and I booted up old school RuneScape because I just wanted to fish. I wanted to corner the RuneScape fishing market. And I just kind of played it like one of those like games that you kind of just let run in the background. Because I think, I think I could play it on mobile. So I had it on mobile and I would just like have it off to the side and all I would do was like click to fish. And then I would fish, and then I would click to fish, and then I would bring my fish into town. My account name was called Here for Fish. <laughs> and, like, that's because I'm truly not interested in any other aspect of RuneScape, mm-hmm. like leveling up and fighting and doing anything. I just really liked fishing. And then I'd, like, go to different spots. I'd, like, turn my fish in. It was good. Sometimes, like, little events would happen when I fished. I'm imagining you, like, in the dorms, and there's, like, people, like, running by the hallway, like, Sir, we got the beer bong, let's go! And then you say... I'm fishing. Yeah, okay. I'm fishing. Like, I gotta be on this grind set. This is the hustle. Right. How would I yeah. corner the market? Yeah. And every person on that floor wanted her. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thirst Council Casanova of her day. But on her door, it said, here for fish. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And then, if, and then if you heard shrieks of rage, it was because I was playing League of, League of Legends. Mm. Um, yeah, I get it. Mm. Has everyone played RuneScape except for me here? I have. Oh, I loved RuneScape. Really? I had, I had a girlfriend. I, I had a boyfriend. I was just that was oh. gonna be my story. <laughs> oh my god, were you guys dating? Were you oh secretly dating? Whoa! I don't know. I think his name was Adam. <laughs> you think? It's a little fuzzy. Well, yeah. I mean, it was like forever ago. God, I've moved on. <laughs> Adam canceling his Patreon subscription yeah. as we speak. Adam, if you're listening, forgive us. We all remember you and appreciate you and love you. I have not moved on. She's very much the one who got away from me. <laughs> <laughs> she'll rue the day she spurned me 
so interesting to have a boyfriend, girlfriend in those kind of games back in the day because it was hard to arrange when to meet up. I remember that being yeah. the frustration. You didn't have these exterior sites as much where everyone was kind of like in the Discord, like, oh, yeah, I'm live or whatever. And like, I didn't want to give him a number to reach me because I don't think I had a cell phone at that point. I don't want Adam from question mark where calling my home phone number being like, is Haley there? My mom's like, who the hell is this I didn't kid? realize he was a RuneScape boyfriend. <laughs> Yes. Did you did were you like did you do like the girlfriend for gold or were you, how did you meet of honestly? <laughs> did you meet name, honestly? I think. You think I girlfriended for gold, Sarah? I, I don't know. I don't know that. what else why else you would date Adam in RuneScape <laughs> for attention that I wasn't getting from boys in real life, obviously. <laughs> Uh, the gold would have been nice, not gonna lie. I wish I had asked for some gold, but looking back, I, looking back, I could have asked Adam for some gold, but no, I just did it for the attention. And I think it lasted all of two weeks, maybe. It wasn't it. a long-term ordeal. I bet it was great, though. And yeah, really romantic. The love of my life, as Leo put it out. Put yeah. out. You, your RuneScape partner is the love of your life. Never get over yeah. your first RuneScape partner. Uh, no. And my current partner is okay with that. Okay. We've talked about it a lot. <laughs> Mine's not. We have a lot of fights about it. <laughs> Jesse Eberens writes in and says, what's one game you'll never uninstall from your console or PC? Bellatro now. Oh, yeah. yeah there you yeah. go. 40 megabytes? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, um, uh, I got a couple. Yeah, hit us. Um, I have the Silent Hill 2 uh, fan HD mod that I just keep permanently installed in case <laughs> I ever just need to play around with my favorite idiot, James Sunderland. Yep. Which happens more often than you think. Um, I also, and I haven't booted this up, so I'm keeping it installed out of principle until I finally play it. Uh, Oni Chanpara Origin. Um, mm. What so is Those that? are my That's, two. Your picks are cool. Mine are embarrassing. I don't want to <laughs> say mine now. I think if you Google Oni Chanpara Origin, you'll yeah. kick me off this podcast. Pretty oh, okay. embarrassing so, real quick. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. That sounded sound cool. Yeah. It just, hey, you know, it's what it is. I'm not here to judge myself. Yeah, that's, that's all good. I'm open with you all. I'm being honest. Those yeah. are my two. So mine is like on PS, on the PlayStation system now, I guess the way it goes, like Amplitude will always be on that home screen. Amplitude for PS4. Mm. I will jump back to that over and over and over again. Um, and this is a weird one, but on my PC years ago, I got Afro Samurai 2. Because remember that first game came out, and I was always curious yeah. about it. Then they made the sequel, and the sequel was an abomination. Like it was it's... incredibly low reviewed, and they right. then pulled it from all stores. But I had it downloaded, and that was like on my old PC. And so, like, I got a new gaming PC. It was like, well, I guess I need to keep this old PC in the closet just because it has Afro Samurai Two on it. And someday I want to play that broken ass version of Afro it's... Samurai Two. <laughs> Is that the one Grasshopper did that I think like Suda directed, or was that the first Ooh, one? I'm not sure if they were involved. They did an Afro Samurai game, or maybe it was a Samurai Champloo game. Now that I'm thinking, about it, it. yeah, I don't think they were involved. This was no, this was for the sequel at least. Developer was Redacted Studios, and I hope they just removed their um, name. Um, <laughs> yeah, that could be one. Yeah, I, I forgot. I also won't install Earth Defense Force 4.1 Shadow of New Despair. Mm, Great mm, game. Yep. yep. Of course. Fuser, obviously, for me, and Splinter Cell Blacklist is right in that era where it, I don't think it ever got updated for Steam Cloud support. So every time I reinstall it, I have to start fresh. So I just don't reinstall it anymore. Smart. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Dragon Hunter says, so it happened. I'm part of the problem. I bought the Like a Dragon booster pack for $10 to level up my characters for the final boss. I was ready to finally finish it after 90 hours or so, and I thought, 
If I just buy the damn boosters, I'll be done with it. I beat the boss, watched the final scene, and deleted the game. So my question is, did you ever give in to the temptations of microtransactions that make the game easier in some kind of way? Mine is not necessarily a microtransaction, but I've spent bank on Dead by Daylight to get the good killers so I could kill them easier. Kill and those little guys easier. And that's like a pretty clear like pay to win thing of just if you pay up, you're going to conquer. I mean, they have a bunch of killers that you can just play for free right out of, right out of the box. But there are certain killers that are just broken or OP. And, you know, I'll play the free ones for a while. And then I'm like, I really want to just dummy these teabagging assholes. <laughs> I'm going to pay the money, get dredge and just wreck them. So I would do I, I have spent money on one evening or two when I've lost like 10 in a row and I'm like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting the good killer. Y'all are dead now. <laughs> yeah. I, I put money at a clash of clans to keep up with my work guild because I didn't want to play it to keep up with them. So I just put money into it instead. Uh, but lately, really my mindset is like, I want to see what the free to play experience of this thing is like, I'm thinking about free to play games when I think about this question. And if it's a miserable experience, like I just don't, I just won't, play it you know i want to i want to evaluate that experience and not have it influenced by like well i'm doing better than i would be if i was playing this for real right right i spent more money to buy more donuts and simpsons tapped out which was the currency oh wow. and you felt right. pretty good about that or that was an era no it was a it was a bad bad part of my life okay. i don't like to reflect okay. much upon how many real world donuts could you have bought for how many fake donuts you bought and Simpsons tapped out? Whoa. I don't know. This was like 10 years ago. Yeah, but so, donuts but, are always shockingly cheap. Every time I go to a bakery, it's like 14 cents for a pile of donuts. It's a bad business oh, to get in. Yeah, what bakeries that? are you going to? I'll show you the hot ones. They're really good. I would wager, Haley, it's at least one donut. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a lot. I'm worried about you. <laughs> uh, do you guys like poetry? No. How you like these poetries? Uh, Ellie Medina writes in and says, here's a haiku. Mm. Yo, I love watchdogs. But why is watchdogs like this? Ubisoft. That was a good one. I normally don't like haikus. But that was a solid one. There you go. Uh, Michael Berry writes in and says, there is no question from me, but I wanted to highlight that, oh, forgive me, Dai Gute Fabrik, I'm sorry, Danish listeners, a Danish game developer is halting all production and closing their doors. They created one of my favorite local multiplayer games, Sports Friends, as well as one of my favorite uh, PlayStation minis, Where Is My Heart? I, I love Where Is My Heart. I forgot about that. Please send them some love and support. I highly recommend Sports Friends. They could potentially reopen their doors and resume production should the company find future funding. I actually caught wind of this because of the community. Get a load of this channel. Neil Smith brought this to my attention, they say. That's nice. <laughs> um, yeah, brutal brutal week, uh, brutal year, brutal two years in the game industry here. But uh, it's sad to see a developer like that just quietly shutting its doors because Sports Friends does rule. Uh, just for having Johann Sebastian Joust and an opportunity to break a PS4 or PS5 controller um, as you try and sneak around with it is so fun. Um, but yeah, this week there are also what, layoffs at Supermassive, Deck 9, and then the biggie... Game Informer. Game Informer, and then uh, PlayStation as well, which we, we got to touch on a little bit here. So Aaron Roberts wrote in, says, Yo, folks, uh, this morning PlayStation just announced that 900 people were laid off from their development studios. 
I'm a game developer at Xbox, and we just had a major layoff announcement just a month and a half ago, not to mention the wider Microsoft slash Xbox layoffs that happened at the beginning of last year. It's beginning to feel really scary working in the industry now. I'm wondering yeah. from your perspectives as games media people, is this the worst state of health that the industry has ever been in? Seems that way. That um, I've lived through. Yeah. yeah. I feel like things were things were scary before the launch of the Xbox One and PS4, just in the sense of like every quote unquote smart person out there was saying, like, I think console gaming's dead, you guys. I think these mobile games are going to be the future for everybody, and you're going to have to play on your phone for everything. Goodbye, consoles. And then PS4 came out, and everyone's like, I'll take three, please. And somehow it's like we all survived that, and lo, gaming was good. Uh, but now, yeah, after an incredible couple of years of game releases, every company is just like, you know what? Let's go ahead and ax hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of jobs. So just for a breakdown here. So Sony, um, there were layoffs at a ton of their studios. They had 900 people overall. Insomniac, there were layoffs at Naughty Dog, Gorilla. It's like, if those three studios aren't safe, good Lord. Um, I know. Sony London uh, is completely shuttered completely gone. at this point. Yeah, and so it's like, I assume they were working on some PSVR 2 stuff, so I'd imagine that's probably syncing with them. Um, there was a Twisted Metal project that was canceled. It was in the very early stages, apparently, like the second version of kind of a reboot of, reboot of Twisted Metal. That's now dead as part of this. And so we're up to 6,000 jobs that have been cut in 2024 so far in the game industry. In 2023, there were 10,000. And so I think we're already at 60% of 2023, and we're only in February. It's, it's brutal just out there. That said, EA just announced 600. Really? Lay it off right before this podcast started, yeah. It's just like, I know the system's good, so it's like, this many companies are doing a bad job? It's hard for me to wrap my head around. A lot of individual companies doing bad. It's it's bizarre to think of. Uh, I it, You know, I just keep looking at Nintendo and being like, they seem to have it figured out. Uh, I don't know what the lesson is there. Uh, smarter people than me can probably try and diagnose exactly what it is. Maybe it's not eight-year development budgets of $300 million and then just a boom-and-bust cycle that way. I think that's the issue, right? Yeah. Like, in, in terms of, is this the worst state of the industry we ever? No, because there was the video game crash that right. almost made the industry go away. Sure. Like, until we reach that point, this is the second worst. Um, however, the issue is when games are the intersection of art and, importantly, technology, and technology is an iterative industry things are only going to get more expensive as more and more people buy them and processes become more and more demanding so like it's easy to look at studios like gorilla naughty dog insomniac and be like if i thought they would be the safest ones of all because their games are reviewed so well and sell so well and it's like yeah but what do they cost to make yeah and it doesn't matter if your game sells 200 million dollars worth of copies when your game costs 500 million dollars to make in this like unchecked you know these like unchecked scopes and unchecked visions have created an industry that is going is is not going to devour itself is devouring itself yeah and there's no stopping from here because you can't reverse scope to be like let's make games the way AAA games of the ps2 era were where a game could cost five million dollars and it was still the biggest thing in the world you can never go back to that so the only option is a dramatic restructuring of the entire industry that forces rescaled project projects 
which consumers won't accept. I don't or, know. I don't know if they won't. I mean, I do think Microsoft I, is toying with that in a big way. You look at a game like a Hi-Fi Rush, and it's like that's not that's a good break point. in the bank. Yeah. Or like even you look at like you know what Obsidian has made by and large, even like Avowed, you know, where it's like eh, it's a team of about a hundred people. It's not going to be Skyrim, everybody. It's going to be a smaller experience. Sure. I think Microsoft is toying with like, can we do? some smaller games and will this be cool because we need to do this to keep this industry afloat of just taking a, a not even a swing of the bat but it's basically every eight years having a naughty dog walk up to the plate and then just wind up eight times and keep spinning in circles trying to hit the ball and if they miss yeah. they're dead forever like that's not a sustainable industry i think yeah i think i didn't even think of games like hi-fi rush and everything but like if that's your if that's where the industry goes like that scale of games can you still employ that amount of people? Probably not, because those games do not require that kind of headcount. So you still haven't solved the entire industry headcount problem. I think the only way to go from here cynically is you got to keep, it's just going to keep happening. And I don't know what the solution is. You hope there is one, but for now it seems the road is just like inevitably ruined because yeah. he, just today, nearly 700 people are like, right yeah as the as the general pool of employees is like thinned out from people whose hearts are broken or otherwise yeah. need to be able to like plan for their life in a way that you seem to not be able to right yeah this business right now yeah and it's so wild like at gdc 2022 that was still like the tail end of kind of the the mm-hmm. good years of um quarantine you know where it's, everyone was just ramping up with staff and like i remember talking to like you know directors on big games at that show and they were like we we can't find people to hire like (laughs) the industry's out of talent we just need more people more people more people and we just we can't find enough talent right now and now to go two years later i'm so curious to see what the tone of gdc is going to be because it's just like yep we hired so many people and now it turns out the number and the the graph didn't keep going up and so we panicked and fired thousands and thousands and thousands of people to try and trim back down. But it's just, it's so brutal. I mean, yeah. I did a networking event at GDC last year and it was, I went into it being like, I'm excited to talk to devs. And it ended up being really sad because every single one, it was one of those ones where it's like speed dating and they just kind of go in front mm. of you. Every single one is just looking for employment when only contractor jobs are available. Yeah. And not even just that. Now there's not even contractor jobs available. It's like, it's dwindling down even further. Yeah, it's it's rough. Um, so I'm very curious to see like where Sony in particular goes, you know, to see Microsoft at least seemingly with like the perfect dark project trying to mirror their kind of super expensive big swing model. But now it seems like Microsoft is shifting more and more to some reasonably scoped games. Um, I'm just curious to see like, yeah, you talk about like no one can go back from that, Blake, like your beloved Ghost of Tsushima, like, you know, if they're making the sequel to that game, which presumably they are, they can't be like, yeah, we'll take $100 million and just make it a smaller project. Like, once you already set that template, you're kind of screwed. And you look at, like, stuff from the Insomniac leak, like, they're, the most interesting thing about that, I don't want to see every game that they're going to to make, you know, but seeing, like, the budgets for those games and how even just internal communications for the Insomniac leak was everyone being like, this is absolutely unsustainable. Like if we make a new Spider-Man game, we're going to have to split it in half uh, and then release it like a infinity war and end game style thing just to try and get that money back in some way. Cause this budget is ballooning in an unsustainable way. It's wild times, but fascinating, but sad, but wild. Uh, Bob Buell. Did I cover enough faces earlier? 
episodes. I think it's sad, sad again. One more sad. sad. One more sad. One more sad. Um, Bob Buell writes in and says, what is... <clears throat> you ready for a palate cleanser, Sarah? Um, yes. Okay, great. Bob Buell writes in and says, what's the weakest Pokemon that would be able to defeat Mike Tyson in his prime in a fight? Hashtag never stop sniping. Interesting. That's right. Okay, so weakest Pokemon that could take down Mike Tyson prime of his life. Well, let's just go through the... I think the fastest way is to go through the weakest Pokemon and see if they can do it. Oh, sure. Love Disc. Caterpie. Caterpie would lose. <laughs> Love Caterpie, Disc would no. lose. Love Disc, maybe if, if he's also in the water. Mm. Mm. Mm, no, this is... It has to be in a ring. Yeah, prep time. And it'd be like that weird kind of Pokemon stadium, like the floating Love Disc, I think. You just kind of have to oh, account for it there. No, no water. Okay. Um, what about... Pat Rat. Yeah. Oh. Okay, yeah. It's, it's a Miss basically Muskrat like, one. Basically like a Rattata level skill set. Yeah. I think I think would be intimidated and that would help. It bite him. I think Mike Tyson could punch at all these things. I think like the dividing line for Mm. me is going from like I think Mankey would lose, but I think Primeape would win. Is is my But Mankey's even not that weak. I feel like Mankey could win though. You think Mankey could take down Mike Tyson? Have you seen have you seen him? Have you seen Mike Tyson? I think he could throw some Looks like he's, yeah, he's a little scary. But it's also the question of like, you know, how powerful are these abilities that they're using? Like, could Jigglypuff put him to sleep and then just like pound his face until it bled? Slit his throat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think maybe Jigglypuff (laughs) might be the answer here, right? Yeah. She'd have to get that song out quick, though, because one hit, she'd be out, too. Oh, you know what you do? Which Pokemon is closest to a pigeon? Because doesn't Tyson love pigeons? Pidgey. Oh. A... <laughs> Pidgey's a little All right, close. Brainiac. Yeah. Okay, you get Pidgey. You get like Pidgeotto in there. And he's like, oh, my friend Pidgey. And then and then you whirlwind him when he's like really close. Like you basically, oh, oh you like, Pidgey would come up to his ear like brr, brr, making Pidgey sounds. But then it would use whirlwind like directly into his ear and it would just like concuss his brain. I think Pidgey only has Gust. I don't think he'd get Whirlwind until uh, it's at least Pidgeotto. I think Gust in an ear would still do some real damage to brain. Knock out his eardrums while he's panicking peck his eyes out. Yeah. Yep. 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 Hope he bleeds out from there because I don't think Pidgey could do much else. But then Pidgey would have to wear the belt of the heavyweight champion of the world and try and fly around with it and that feels uncomfortable I feel like for most people. Well that's not the question. It's not who what You're Pokemon right. would look best in the belt. Hitmon. <laughs> Hitmonchan. Or which Pokemon could beat Mike Tyson. Yeah, that's it. We're, we're getting confused. Hey, uh, Zeth Hillman Johnson wrote in and they ask, what's a piece of clothing you own that you wish you could wear more often? My stupid lawyer's robes. You have cool robes? What? They cost $2,000. Shut Get up. them out right now. I have them to on. buy them. I gotta go get my robes. Wait, yes. is, it, is it illegal to wear them in a non- Lawyerly and no, I, I was Ruth Bader Ginsburg for Halloween just so I could use those stupid <laughs> in your two thousand dollar robe, and that's the cheapest. I went to the I went to the robe store because there's only one place in in Nova Scotia that sold these specific robes for Nova Scotia barristers. And the girl there was like my age, and I came and I was like, I'm looking for robes, and she was like, Okay, over here. And there's a whole section that's just about the robes. And normally the big firms, if you're going on to a big firm, they pay for your robes. So you just are saying silk, every stitching, give me it all. Cause like the uh, big man's paying for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It sounds like cares? a scam. Yeah. It sounds like, yeah, so, like the wedding uh, industry of lawyer stuff. <laughs> 
and and listen this girl was great because she was like oh, so what are we talking silk for the tie and the blah blah i was like i am paying for this out of pocket she's like polyester 50 percent cotton i got you we're going lowest i'm like i'm i'm a transactional lawyer i will go to court once to get called and then i'm never there she's like i have some cheaper shit in the back one sec like she like really helped me out and even still it was two thousand dollars that's disgusting it's not gross and i could not get called if i didn't have Robes. And they're like not even cute. Like, what are you supposed to know? <laughs> it's like worse like? Harry Potter robes. If yeah. they could get worse. Where are you supposed to wear them? Pit court, but I'm not a litigator. Really? So I don't I I'll never use them. Yeah, you can't go in and be and like represent someone without wearing your robes. Your little robes. I don't know. That's if I cool. was in court and my person walked in looking like a Harry Potter character, I'd be like, excuse me. Is we're it? based on the English court system, like the British court Ew. system. So we're, I'm just a little bit happy we're not wearing wigs and stinky sh- crap like that at this point. It is such a funny, weird tradition of like the people in the robes know more than we do. And the fact that that's carried <laughs> through now to actually hurt Haley's bank account. And that goes back to what, like priests? Olden days. Yeah. yeah. Moses wore a robe. Probably. Like, is that Probably. where we're going? Like, it's such a Moses weird... Moses was smart. I'm Moses when I step in that courtroom. That's part in the Red Sea. <laughs> I've heard your rap bars. <laughs> um, does anybody else have hot clothes? Oh, Leo's got... A uh, Wonder Woman sweater. It's oh. a Whataburger, actually. Thank you very much. <laughs> Who did it first, by the way? <laughs> it's, a, it's a blanket sweater that my fiance's mom got me for christmas and it's too hot to wear while streaming but it's like mm, incredibly comfortable piece of clothing that does look really good uh pate rion wrote in they say it seems like from the last few episodes of the min max show most of the crew doesn't have a lot of poker experience hey new show plus idea min max poker night uh yeah we did that and it yeah, lost yeah but we tried that this week and it got <laughs> destroyed by thirst council so i'm sorry so objectively a bad idea yeah and you should be ashamed <laughs> of your words and deeds <laughs> Uh, Stephen Woodson wrote in with a question that I need an answer to. Backstage Pass, you never needed to be more alive than you are right now. Stephen Woodson writes in and says, uh, Hey, Helldivers 2 became a hit after transitioning from a 2D series to a third-person shooter. It's more like an isometric camera, but I hear what you're saying. Uh, Some other series slash developers that had success going from a 2D game to a third-person shooter are Risk of Rain 2 and Housemark with Returnal. But have we ever seen the opposite? where a developer or series found more success by moving from 3D to 2D. Now, this is a wonderful question, and I want people to leave a comment on YouTube or to tweet at MinMax if you know the answer to this. Because, like, franchises have gone back and forth. You know, like, Prince of Persia went back to 2D and Lost Crown frickin' rules. Yeah, that seems like a good answer. But I think Sonic people are bringing up Rayman, that's true. But is there any example of starting in 3D and then shifting to 2D and it's more successful? That's great because of those those like Russia PS- games. Yeah, PSP, <laughs> Assassin's Creed Chronicles. Oh, okay. Yeah, Bloodlines, <laughs> man. There has to be some, and I'm thinking like there's probably like some mobile port that was 2D that made bank, but I don't know if that's going to count uh, here. Rainbow Six Siege Small just came out. S M O L. That's going 2D top down. It's a Netflix game with chibi siege characters kicking down doors and things of that nature. That's good. Chat's got it. Leo, I respect you, but chat's got it. Ukulele. 
ukulele and the impossible lair was the second game that was a two and a half d game and everyone thought it was way better than the 3d ukulele that That's is exactly answer. it that is exactly thank you backstage pass oh. i knew you're here for a reason well i'm reading rainbow six siege small <laughs> uh jason wojnar writes in and says blake hester had come and see on movies he watched in 2023 i'd love to hear his thoughts on it um <laughs> Uh, any of y'all seen this? No, <laughs> this, what is this? Uh, masterpiece of Dutch cinema, I believe. I don't um, think so. Come and See is a film about World War II where you follow a child as his small village is just uh, decimated by um, the enemies. What will be? Um, Speak up. Uh, what it, What was the question? What did I think about it? it? <laughs> yeah, was, have, some, have some fun with this review of Come and See. The problem is come and see is one of the most harrowing portrayals of war yet ever put to cinema. So to have fun feels like a bit of a mockery of the subject material. Um, however, yeah, you guys, Ugh. however, I would say in terms of war media, I've consumed it. Um, it's probably one of the better ones in terms of uh, centering its perspective on non-combatant victims and um the way those in power can victimize those without um there's a there's a large set piece at the end involving a burning barn that despite it not being a um textbook horror film i think is one of the scariest things i've oh, no. ever witnessed in a film in mm. terms of just it's like um it's raw hatred and I don't know. I would have to assume that is what war is like. Um, Weeping Bell? Do you think Weeping Bell would take down Tyson? Oh, good question. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Anything that can lower his defense would have a good advantage. I do think they would have a chance. It could like suction under his head. Uh, Lumberjack writes in to say, Hey, Minmax, what's the word on yogurt water? Why would you ask about? Why would they ask about come and see on this podcast? (laughs) That that was setting me up for failure. I was laid off yesterday. Give me a break. (laughs) Come on. So lumberjack says, "What's the word on yogurt water?" Specific, the word is yuck. Specifically, what do you do with the water that accumulates at the top of yogurt after it's been in the fridge oh. for a day or two? Do you whip oh, it I back? I thought there was a new product that was half yogurt, half water that no, was I guess coming out. That's kind of like it. that's like yoj, well, which milk. is the most delicious thing you could have. I guess milk is exactly that. But they're asking, do you, <laughs> do you whip it back into the main body of the yogurt, or do you pour it out in the sink? I, if you pour it on the sink, you're the biggest coward I've ever seen on planet Earth. I'm a non-yogurt enjoyer. I hate the texture, so I've never had this problem. I, uh, Next I question. Pour it, I pour it out into the sink, and you... then I pour the rest of the yogurt out because I'm lactose intolerant. Oh, so smart, smart, smart. Damn it, I accidentally uh... bought yogurt again. <laughs> <laughs> that is keep happening. The answer is buy Gogurt and slurp it up so you don't even notice that there's water at the Oh, start. you know Gogurt. It's Gogurt. It's got that Gogurt water. Gogurt's got the water. It's got water. Good. That's something wrong. You're going to gargle that Gogurt water. I'm going to gargle the Gogurt water. You mix it in. I whip it in, yeah. Yeah, everyone, there's people that are scared of mixing it in, too, in the chat. I just can't imagine. It's What's the difference? It's all the same stuff. You mix it in and it's all good to go. Yeah. What you, product yeah. do that with? Yeah. Do, when... when Never mind. 
Hang on. Sarah's been suspiciously I don't quiet. eat yogurt. Do oh, you want to okay. know where I am mentally right now, Ben? Sure. Mm. I'm trying to decide if tonight do I want to start playing The Sims 4 again. Right. Because this oh, is a slippery yeah. slope. Like, do if it. I start playing The Sims 4, <laughs> it's going to be a 24-hour, three-day marathon yeah. in which I cannot... That is how you of. play The Sims. So this um, is literally, is I'm, while you guys discuss your yogurt and your war movies, right, I'm thinking, right. I'm looking in my mental calendar. <laughs> Sorry, Blake. I told I'm looking them to at stop, my mental calendar, Sarah, And I'm like, do I have time for a Sims 4 hyperfixation in yeah. this yes. day and age? I think yes. you do. I think you do. Do it, do it, do it, do it. You should get really I'm into it. I'm thinking about getting the new landlord pack where I get to be a landlord. Are you a mod user in The Sims? I am sometimes, but sometimes they just kind of make the game run even more poor than it already runs with my all of the expansion packs. Mm. So, as the harrowing leader of Thirst Council, maybe you should consider the Wicked Whims mod. Oh, we don't. I let's bring that up on the bonus podcast, Haley, because we've all been in dark places. I don't know what you're talking about. It's just a normal mod. All it does is let you. uh, It just lets you uh, build things quicker. Yeah, that's all. Cool. Build things according to your wicked It's so realistic. <laughs> uh, Steve Lucian writes in says, Hey, Ben of the Courts. The recent chat two weeks ago between Ben and Jacob Geller on Bonus Pod uh, touched on success and what it means that what it means for MinMax, and the conclusions were really encouraging. But it got me thinking, how do you measure success for each of yourselves and what does it mean for you? I personally don't believe in success in late stage capitalism. So no, I don't. Someone's read a book. What does that mean, Sarah? <laughs> Smarty alert. Just, no, no, I just like. She pressed I the smart button. Don't ca- I simply don't care anymore. As long as I'm happy and I'm doing things that I like, that's good enough but for me. That's, that's my success. answer was going to be that's, that's what success is. Yeah. Like, I think yeah. success is but I think me finding people, my friend group that I love dearly. Yeah. And we all, right. Yeah. That's it's, my success. But it's, it's moved away from like, I want to work at X company and like be involved with X games. Like, that's dead to me. But there was a period in your life where that was the goal? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I wanted to work at Nintendo. I wanted to work on Animal Crossing. And now right. it's like, well, that's never going to happen. You, I mean, Sarah, it's got to be comforting. You could get a job at Nintendo right now, probably. If, if there was an opening. Literally, I have tried. And really? it has not worked out. Yes. Recently? <laughs> no, well, not recently, but now it, now it wouldn't work because I live in Minnesota. And they have no remote oh, stuff? Absolutely not. That's shocking. Did you get an interview? I got several. And it just... And they said they're hiring internally. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I guess they're doing it right, hiring internally. That's tough. Um, I mean... <laughs> Gotta give it up. Yeah. I Yeah, I think you don't have to overthink it, Sarah. I think just realizing like, oh, if I'm, I'm living a good life and I have loved ones around me, like that is success. You gotta get more complicated than that, right? And okay. money. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Haley's back in the picture, everybody. <laughs> Lawyer money's the best. The water on our yogurt of this podcast. You <laughs> dare you. Dare you. I'm going to beat Remake so fast. You'll see. <laughs> oh, no, you will. You never will. <laughs> I've been listening to this song lately called Don't Let the Good Life Pass You By by Cass Elliott. And one of the lyrics in there that I really like is... Uh, just look, my friends, there's happiness in living somewhere between broke and being free, mm. which I think is really mm. beautiful. And it's it's interesting how much of the song is focused on, like, specifically the little things in life that are joyful in opposition to seeking money. Like, that is the opposite of that. Right, right. In this song's perspective, which I really relate to. The first time I heard it, it really, really moved me because that's something I've always 
of wanted to be careful about and I see a lot of people lose themselves to people in my life who have jobs that they hate. Yeah. Uh, but are stuck in because it's the best money they'll ever make. And so every day of their life sucks a little bit. And I don't want that for people. And I don't want that for myself. And it was really, it's really validating to have a beautiful song about that perspective and be like, yeah, money's not what it's about. I could be doing YouTube way differently if I wanted to make as much money as possible (laughs) off of it. Yeah. I'd be so curious just to see what that looks like for like a month though, Leo. And maybe you'll love it so much. It'll be your new default, but I would just love to see. Cause I don't know. I love that Ben's responses to everyone's perceived idea of success is like, yeah, but have you tried it? (laughs) <laughs> like oh your dream job but have you tried have it you tried you know, I can make, have you tried it though no 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 I just, I just get, like, I think of it all the time because like every once in a while we get feedback from Max like I love that you guys aren't just like going for obvious clicks on YouTube and that type of thing I'm like yeah yeah me too what would that look like exactly like, I don't want to <laughs> do it but I'm just curious about like it, there's an easy button just for like what do you think thirst council is <laughs> hello yeah I guess so um, no I think that's exactly it and like you know we talked about it again on bonus pod um but just my obsession with like movies and just media talking about success, breeding uh, unhappiness. Like I've just been obsessed with that over the last couple of years in particular, just like this constant reminder of like, yeah, there's no, you can't run fast enough on a treadmill to ever find uh, peace uh, in this world. Right. It's like, so I think just the more you can remind yourself of that idea of just like, you know, I'm not going to be happier if Min Max is, somehow a corporation with hundreds of people and I'm sitting in a C-suite with a million dollar paycheck. It's like, I, that sounds terrible. I think my soul yeah. would be gone. And so just trying to find that right level of like, I, I'm feeling really good where we're at now and I appreciate everybody's support, but it is just like, you know, talking to other folks in the industry as well. It's just like, I, I don't want a big company. I don't think it's going to make anything better. Um, it's a tough. Did you feel like you won life a bit when you had a kid? Because like our, our yeah. monkey brains want us to pass our lineage, right? So that's kind of <laughs> like a success. Uh, yeah, not in the camp of everyone should have a kid, obviously. But it does feel like, yeah. all right, I feel like I accomplished a lot in my career and I've got a good family. And now there's something that's half me that exists. I right. did it. Yeah, I, yeah, I do. That's pretty cool. I do feel, yeah, a little bit that I did it mold, uh, which I'm very mm. lucky to have hit, I realize. Um, I was just thinking about it today in the shower. I was like, you know, some days are sad for me, even mm -hmm. though I have so, so many blessings. Yeah. And I was like, you know, is there a version of my life possible where I wouldn't be sad sometimes, where every day would be good? No. I really don't think so. Mm -mm. I really think it's about setting achievable short-term goals and working towards them in ways where you feel like you're doing something and having people in your life that, you know... I would say my relationship with my fiance has a lot of short term goals in it of like building a life together and stuff. And it's Mm -hmm. all it's all about that for me is feeling that sense of accomplishment day to day that becomes a sense of accomplishment for years and years. Yeah. Have you tried not being sad, though? Have you tried purposefully failing all your tech points with Marie over and over? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Blake, are you in a where are you at these days, man? Uh, oh, you know, what I lack in bank account richness, I make up in richness of heart. Yeah. Um, no, you know, like I, I was thinking about this two days ago, actually, ironically, the day before I was laid off from my job, um, all I ever wanted to be growing up was a writer of some sort. Um, and as a college dropout <laughs> recovering addict, the chances seemed low. Um, 
but I, I don't know. I've been a professional writer for almost 10 years now. And I didn't yeah. have to like, I, from my freelance career to my game informer career, I didn't have to do the, I, I don't know how to say this, but like, I didn't have to do the normal game journalism grind. Like I got to kind of just do what I wanted and write in the style of like the heroes that inspired me. Um, like, uh, you know, <laughs> so in that way, yeah, I feel successful. And I think I don't want to speak for anyone else, but if there are other writers in there out there that like my work, I wouldn't assume I inspired anyone alone, but like my work plus, you know, their other inspirations inspire them to write or create stuff of their own. Like that's good enough for me. Cause I mean, you know, to, to think I, I would ever be financially successful as a writer would be foolish. <laughs> so I have to find other ways to feel successful, but yes, achievable yeah. goals. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I guess in, in that way, you know, this is all Man, I ever wanted. Like when we were interns, I was so jealous of how good of a writer you were. Right? I would read oh. your features, and I was like, "Oh crap, my features aren't good <laughs> enough. I gotta ramp this sucker up." And I have such a specific memory of when I wrote. There was like a Uncharted treasure tropes feature I did, and I there was one part of it where I was like, "The plot is like a pendulum moving back and forth," and you were editing for me. You're like, "That's a really good line," and I, and I was like, "Yes!" Like I was so <laughs> I got marks from like ben reeves and stuff all the time i remember being so excited when you noticed something and said it was good uh thank you that means a lot Um, yeah that means a lot so yeah yeah i i I guess i feel successful (laughs) i say a day after being laid off uh what do you like for question of the week everybody back to pass you can jump in as well um we have the measure of success of course uh Hypothetical. We have the Tyson. Um, we have that one about franchises going from 3D to 2D. That's true. Uh, we have the big game industry one, the state of the uh, game industry. You know, it's a, it's a I like, biggie. I like the clothes one because I've never thought about lawyers' ropes in my life. Mm. Now I've learned a lot about them. Yeah. yeah it, has a, it has a little tie I got to wear. Ugh. Yeah. All right. The worst. Yeah, okay. that's a, that is a good podcast question too. It's a unanimous, but not something we've heard before. Yeah, Zeth Hillman Johnson, congratulations! You just won the uh, Johto Legends vinyl soundtrack from I Am Eight Bit. Uh, thanks for being a supporter of Minmax. And now it's time for something that we call "Get a Load of This." Uh, you got one, Blake? Not to put you on the spot. Oh sure. Ow. Yeah. Get a hey. Get a load of this, y'all. Um, just yesterday from my hometown, Louisville, Kentucky, the greatest city in the greatest state on earth, baby, uh, local legends taking the world over the boys knocked loose, put out their new song and announced their new record. And by God, I think it's the best thing I've heard all year, even though the year is short, I assume it'll be my favorite in December. So go listen to blinding faith of the upcoming <laughs> record you won't go before you're supposed to blinding um, faith so taking this opportunity shout out the 502 love it we're staying strong out here hell yeah love it uh hey get a load of this maybe i'm out of the loop but this is this is one of my favorites in a while um uh my brother-in-law was visiting this last weekend and said to the standard like hey how was the drive because he drove here from uh wisconsin um and he's like, oh, it was good. You know, me and my girlfriend, we played we played the cow game. I was like, what is this cow game? Do you all know the cow game? For so you just count cows? Is it well, when you see a cow, you say cow? Yeah. 
Okay, so you know it. No, uh, so it is like that, but it's the first road trip game where I'm like, that actually sounds like a really good game. Like, I actually think it sounds fun. So it's called My Cows, technically. And the way it works is if you see a herd of cows as you're driving, or just a single cow, or a drawing of a cow, anything, first one to see it goes, My Cows! And then you get to count how many cows are in there, and whatever number that gets up to, that's your number of cows at that point. Now, here's where it gets fun. If you see a church, the first to say, marry my cows, doubles the number of cows that they have in their inventory at that time. Uh, If somebody sees a cemetery, you say, bury your cows, and that brings the other player's cow count to zero. And you can see a hospital and exclaim, mad cow disease, and then all the other players lose half their cows. Oh my God. But you can lock in your cows Every time you see a McDonald's, you say, cash in my cows, and then the cows become burgers, and then that number can't be messed with. <laughs> and then the player with the num- most number of burgers at the end of the trip wins. And if there That's are no fun. burgers, then it's just a number of cows that wins. McDonald's is a really smart thing to include. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so everywhere. there you go. Uh, there's a Reddit thread breaking down the My Cows Road Trip game. Uh, but it's like, ooh, this sounds excellent. Is Cow Game on Steam Deck, asked Bob <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Get a load of this. This is from uh, Cassidy's video, The Least Useful Facts You Need to Know, Hitman's Facts and Features number nine. She is a really good Hitman YouTuber that does all the most in the weeds, nonsensical little details from Hitman. And there's one in here that I absolutely blew my mind, which is that in the Paris level, which of course has the big catwalk, you're climbing around up above it through the windows to get into the security room and stuff. I never questioned why there were windows inside this catwalk room. And it turns out it's because if you look up, you can see that they just put a tarp over a courtyard in the middle of the building and you can see outside from in there. So now you can see this catwalk room as like, oh, a reappropriated courtyard, which I've spent over 80 hours in Paris alone and I never noticed that. Uh, cool. And that's a fun little hitman detail for people. And this channel is absolutely full of them. Cassidy, Wait, Lee, I'm a little, I'm a little confused. So the windows over the catwalk, how does it turn into a courtyard? It's because that's really outside. That's why the windows are there. Oh. And then, oh, and that place where where I hid and, and shot that one time when we were playing from the backside. Okay, I think I know what you're talking about. Sorry. I'll send you a little pic. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Get a load of this. Remedy has acquired all the rights to control back. Yeah. From 505. That's exciting. Um, so, yeah, they did it in like a post, which I tweeted about. And I was like, this is really nice to see. Like, I wish more companies that did contractual deals with each other were like, hey, this is what we're doing now. And being really transparent about it. That's pretty nice. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I guess the gist of it is just that they're getting back the do 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 publishing, distribution, marketing and other rights. I don't really know what else. Um but I don't think this was them like not owning control, which I saw some people getting confused about. It's just right. that they have full, they have all licensing rights back now. Like there was some, probably some exclusive rights that 505 had that they couldn't do. What kind probably. of stuff would that be? Uh, usually when we draft licenses, there's stuff that's exclusive, stuff that's non. Um, the only exclusive stuff should be the stuff that only the publisher is allowed to do, which would be distributing on the approved platforms in the territory. So we are allowed to sell the game on 
console, 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 console in the territory, usually worldwide. And that should be the only thing they're exclusively allowed to do. And now that that's terminated, they can go to any publisher and get them to distribute the game on any platform they want to whenever they want and market it however they want. Maybe there was a marketing plan that that the publisher had to pre-approve before Remedy was allowed to do anything. Maybe they wanted to get really weird with how they you know, distribute information about Control 2 or something, and the, the, the publisher could say, oh, no, we don't want you to do that. Like, maybe mm-hmm. there's certain consents they had to go through. Um, but now, since they're getting everything back, like, all that just flips back to the... They still own the IP, and then now they have exclusive rights terminated with the publisher, and they can do whatever they want. Okay, interesting. Because kind of yeah, it was always a confusing thing. Like, I remember somebody at Remedy saying, like, yeah, that's why it's called Control, because, like, after Quantum Break, we just wanted, like, full control of this project, and it's like, it works on multiple layers for us, and so I was so confused by that headline, too. It's like, wait, but I thought you already had yeah. full control, but it's even more so now. Okay. I mean, they, they still, they owned the whole thing the whole time. It's okay. just that they gave certain rights to the publisher, which is just in the normal course of commercial exploitation thing. It's not like they were like, oh, no, we lost. Like, every publisher gets an exclusive license to distribute the game that's just how the market works gotcha i one time heard and i never fact checked this so if it's not correct that's not my fault yeah um that there's like a finnish law that requires remedy to always like be announcing this stuff so you know how we just like know what they're Mm -hmm. making 10 years from now yeah it's because they're like legally obligated to like put out a release about it and that's why they're like they didn't announce until like three years after that they were even starting production on Max Payne, but they had to say they were making it because well, of like some weird finished thing. But they oh, didn't okay. apply for like Housemark, right? Or like Rovio. Sounds rock solid. I'll look into that. Yeah. I was told cool. that by right. someone who like was working directly with them, not at oh, the company. And I was like, that's really weird. Yeah, that that's, that's like cool. Why they have to do all that stuff? Yeah, Sarah. The floor. Get this. Oh. A little of this. Okay. Uh, I think I will start playing The Sims 4 again. <laughs> Thank you for supporting me through these times. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, I, think that, yeah. I think that's my final decision. I think okay. that, so. Don't contact me for the next five days at least, and I'll let you know when I'm out. Okay. On that the other ap- side. That applies to what us. What packs too. are you rocking, Sarah? I have all of them. Nice. I have all of them except like the pets one, not the normal pets oh. one, like the other pets it's like one. It's the best one. Oh, no, the no, addi- not the, the, but the one, one that was like the additional pets pack. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. She does. And it, it, is that thousands of dollars? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yes. I, I own thousands of dollars because I also played like The Sims 3. So yeah, I owned thousands and thousands of dollars of Sims content, probably. Respect. Whoa. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. You should check out um, Being John on Steam. I think it's up your alley if you want to be a <laughs> landlord I- in a game. Yeah. Some good cream content. I think for I'll you. just you should play the check Sims out 4. Wicked okay. Whims. <laughs> uh, yeah. Here's the thing. Here's the secret thing. Every yeah. Sims player has checked out Wicked Whims. Very few would admit it in person, in public. Yeah. Can you give mm. us just one taste of what's going on in Wicked Whims? No. Mm-mm. No. That's cool. actually not, this <laughs> podcast is not high enough rated. Interesting. I watched somebody stream it once in Discord and. You yeah we cannot okay great so, uh, <laughs> hey uh, <laughs> get a load of this everybody the mighty Ethan shared a tweet from our dear old friend Wario sixty four this is classic video game industry blooper you ready Blake so apparently Final Fantasy seven rebirth the physical copies in Japan slash Asia regions have a printing error because it's two discs you know but the data and play discs are swapped. <laughs> So for Japan, users will have to insert the play disc to install the game and use the data disc to play the game. 
That's wow. wild. Wow, wild. what a switcheroo. What is it, opposite get, day over there? Come on. <laughs> get a load of that. <laughs> and we shall. That is it for this episode of the MinMax Show podcast. Hope you all enjoyed it. Blake, thank you for joining us, sir. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, what would you like from people? Uh, do you want uh, job opportunities? Give me, yeah, lay it out there. What's your dream job? Who should reach out to you? How should they reach out to you? All that fun stuff. Oh, Lord. Uh, well, I suppose my job now technically is uh, the co-host of Something Rotten Podcast, a Nebula yeah. production uh, co-hosted by myself and one Jacob Geller, a young upstart I'm trying to put on right now. Smart. Smart. Um, we do we do a show, largely though, slightly less so these days about violent slash gritty slash nihilistic video games and whether or not any of them have any deeper meaning. Sometimes, by God, they do. Other times, by God, they don't. Um, so we've done a lot of seasons uh, on that. We are currently between seasons right now. Our next season, I hope I can say publicly, it's my show. I can say whatever I want. Uh, <laughs> is on Disco Elysium. Oh, like, hell yeah! I'm playing it for the first time, so that'll be coming out in mid March. We'll start rolling that out. Sweet, um, something rotten. Like, Name of the podcast. That's yeah. a show you can listen to for free, or if you want all the bonus pods and ad free and all that, you can sign up. To Nebula, nebula.tv slash something rotten. You can also get a bunch of bonus stuff from Leo, Jacob, uh, Philosophy Tube, Patrick Willems. Yeah. Basically, anyone and everyone who uh, may, uploads videos on YouTube at this point. It's, an, it's a wild lineup. Yep. Other than that, I don't know. I'm on Twitter at Metallica is rad. If you ever can't remember the handle, just think, what is Metallica? Oh, yeah. Metallica is rad. That's right. Um, and that's it. Sweet. I ain't got nothing going on. If you want to send me money at game underscore query on paypal (laughs) 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 yeah it's still my paypal that i still do business actual business from if you want to request money from me as well for psychic damage my writing's done to you over the years i will consider those i have my paypal Uh, i'm blake's lawyer and he doesn't mean that he's just joking okay cool (laughs) Uh, yeah. Hey, MinMax stuff. Uh, we have the deepest dive on Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Just a reminder, you can uh, unlock the podcast version of that or check out that discussion on YouTube. It's going to be rolling out throughout the next month. Very fun discussion there, given that game, the discussion it deserves. We had an interview um, on YouTube and the bonus podcast feed as well with Rebirth's director, which was ex- exciting to talk to Hamaguchi if you want to check that out. Um, let's see, Sarah and Haley, we ta- uh, didn't talk about it on the podcast, but you all streamed PT last week uh, mm-hmm. because if you're a Patreon supporter at the $50 tier, the game champion tier, you can choose any game under the sun and be declared its champion. And then every quarter we have a big roundup poll where we let people choose on Patreon which game we create bonus content for. And Patrick Polk's pick of PT won. And so Sarah and Haley played through it for the first time and were scared uh, out of their seats for Haley's case. Yeah, I don't want to set the precedence that if it's a scary game, Haley and I will play it because now I'm worried <laughs> that we're on a slippery slope of only playing horror games. Right. Yeah, right. that's kind of what the comments out of the video were like. Another classic Sarah and Haley <laughs> horror one. stream. And I was like, <laughs> another oh, no. one, please. <laughs> Uh, also, speaking of hitting goals, we hit our goal for new show Overflow, which Leo referenced uh, earlier. Thanks to everybody for throwing subs our way on Twitch. So we're reviving a rejected new show plus show 
uh, and we're going to be throwing that out there as some bonus content and we have one chambered or we have one in mind and it's going to be really fun. I wanted to do it for a long time, even though the community didn't want it, but they'll want it when they see it. <laughs> so that'll be uh, coming up soon with a special guest as well involved in that one. Uh, last thing to plug here is uh, Wall of Heroes tier. I feel like I don't mention it too often, but you know, if you're at the $100 tier on Patreon, even just for one month, you can put any image you want rotating through every MinMax video on that little image slideshow. I know I say it maybe too often, uh, but it is literally millions and millions of impressions if you do the math uh, for only $100. So if you have something to promote uh, or just you want to show off a picture of your pet or your face or a loved one or anything like that, uh, but if you have a business, a podcast, anything like that, uh, you can jump in there at the $100 tier just for one month and put something up. I saw a lovely Jill Grote from the Indian Former. She just jumped in at the $100 tier because she's like, yeah, just promote the Indian former, my site on every podcast. Like, yeah, of course. That's a great offer for us. Shaking hands, done and done. Um, nice. So we'll have the post up for that. Uh, and you can lock in your pick for March uh, very shortly. So stay tuned on Patreon. And then there'll be a post where you can share that image there. Uh, Leo, I wanted start- to plug yes, real quick. Please. Uh, Haley and I have been doing Red Dead RP the last couple weeks. Yes. On Monday nights, which should be on okay. MinMax soon. We should be starting simul streaming once Haley's new PC gets up and running. But uh, if you want to get caught up on that story, it's on uh, a new playlist I made just for Red Dead RP stuff on my channel under the playlists tab. And it has been an incredible journey so far. <laughs> a couple nights ago, we we're like we're we're becoming a a theater troupe and we're practicing our acting putting on plays for people and living off of tips that's kind making of our bank by the way like it's a we're pretty good, good way money. to make money it turns out but yeah we were like <clears throat> on our way to the next town to perform our next play and i was like we should train up before we get there we should rehearse a little bit have a little better idea of what we're doing and we chanced upon this beautiful little settlement where these two ladies were doing this long complicated dance perfectly synchronized while this fellow was playing the banjo next to them and i was like this must be npcs there aren't that many npcs in this but this is too perfect of a scene but then we got closer to them we just heard them giggling about the dance they were doing and we ended up <laughs> talking to them and they taught us how to do the dances and stuff taught us like in role play how to do the advanced animation techniques we were trying to figure out for our plays it was so perfect and it's just non-stop so stuff like that and in, in rp it's been so fun That's so if you cool. want to get caught up before uh before we arrive on min really <laughs> really start gearing this this stuff up right make yeah. it to saint denis that's sweet uh hey blake do you want to go get aj so he can do the outro for the show so we can have a full game query uh, reunion here Hell okay, yeah. Good. Uh, hey, you can become a game champion by supporting me next at the $50 tier on Patreon. Lock in the game of your choice. Just like Julie Wilcox is the champion of Scarlet Hollow. Uh, oh boy. Prettygoodprinting.com is the champion of <gasps> Cthulhu Saves the World Super Hyper Enhanced Championship oh, oh, Edition oh, Alpha yeah. Diamond DX Plus Alpha FES HD Premium Enhanced Game of the Year Collector's Edition without <laughs> avatars. And Jawar Hello is the champion of Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. Uh, Hello, AJ I Moser. Don't I don't think anybody wants that. Hi. Said, hi, hi, AJ. Hi, AJ. Um, hi, AJ. Do you want to do an outro for the show, uh, Stranger, AJ? Uh, do you want to say, be good, have fun, let's go? Be good, have fun, let's go. <laughs> Thanks, AJ. <laughs> Sarah, sorry I called you a witch <laughs> earlier. That's okay. I'll remember okay. it. Okay, great. Bye, everybody. <laughs>